of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a name. Like who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craigs alongside, as always, King of Banter and a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Uh, not much. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Heard the heard the good family man in action just there a few minutes ago. Is your uh, Trying to calm the children down, trying to get everybody in check before we record. I, I like it. It was a good, uh, good peer into the the the, the psyche and the mind of a, a parent, Joe Lanza. So I can't have kids screaming and yelling when I'm trying to. You know, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of screaming. <laughs> work over here. Jeez, they gotta they gotta they gotta calm down. It was a giant disruption before uh, before we got on the call. the The girl was downstairs getting a snack out of the pantry. And she just starts screaming at the top of her lungs in sheer terror, you know, and, and comes running up the steps and, you know, jumping in her mother's arms. And we're like, what the hell's going on? She's like, I saw a lizard. Well, a gecko got into the house. Oh, okay. All right. And she saw the quote unquote lizard and she flipped out because she thought the thing was coming to get her. So then I got to go down there and go look for this gecko. You could forget it. <laughs> Right. Okay. I mean, yeah. That thing is in some crevice that you're never gonna find. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it yeah. knows. It knows it's look you're looking for, and it's not gonna about to appear. So. Are you kidding me? As, she, as soon as she let out that shriek, that thing was, <laughs> that thing is inside the wall somewhere. I mean, give me a break. So I gotta go down there and look for this gecko. How often does? How often do you find geckos in your house? Is that a pretty common occurrence out there in a in old college station? They are all over the outside of the house. Um. So you'll get one in the house maybe once or twice a week. Yeah, it's pretty common. Um, you know, the dogs like to chase them around and rip them apart. So sometimes I'll wake up in the morning. I got to clean up a crime scene. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll get in the house like once or twice a week. And I'll usually just catch them with a plastic cup and throw them back outside. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll take those over like, you know, mice or cockroaches or something like that any day of the week. Spiders, you know. Uh, you take that trade, but uh, but yeah, she's never encountered one of these things. She she thinks there's a monster down there chasing her around, and then the boy screaming at the top of his lungs for no good reason. 
So yeah, you know, I had to go take care of business. <laughs> I just realized that the uh, the geckos would would I think eat the spiders, right? So that that's that's a pretty good trade off. Like you're saying, I would definitely take the geckos. Yeah, the geckos in my house over over spiders or anything else. I do too. I do also the the math of the spiders as well. Is that when I see a spider or uh, in my old apartment, I used to have a bunch of centipedes, and I would be like, you know what, the centipedes are eating something else that I don't like. So I was like, you know what, centipedes, it's all yours, man. Like you're probably eating either uh, a spider, you're eating some sort of mosquito, like you're whatever you're eating, I don't care. Cause I don't want that in my house. So I, I allowed the, the centipedes to kind of roam free and do whatever they needed to do. So, yeah, I have my exterminator come out, um, once a month and he says the geckos are good because they eat everything else that could be getting into the house. So it's, that's exactly what you just said. So the geckos take care of like spiders and, you know, all kinds of shit like that. They really don't bother me. Like I'm not, I don't have any kind of fear of the geckos geckos they're not that big i mean it's a little startling sometimes if you turn on a kitchen light at three in the morning and one runs across the floor sure right right but at the end of the day they're not they don't bite they're not scary you know i'll if i can catch one i'll i'll touch them i'm not scared of them i'll pick them up and toss them out the back door um but yeah as far as uh you know if, if you're if you're ranking out your pests that's like top of the list. Like, if you have to have a pest, I think that's the one you want to have. At least me, anyway. Now, some people can't handle the reptiles, maybe, you know? But uh, the girl obviously can't. But, uh, but you know, I'll take that over any kind of bug or something. But yeah. For sure. Yeah. And especially mice, too. I'm not, I'm not a mice guy whatsoever. Like, anytime I see a mouse anywhere near this house, like, I just, I flip out. I go nuts. Like, there, there was one I saw next to my garbage can, yeah. like, three weeks ago. And I ended up, like, cleaning half the, like, there was, like, a, like, a wood pallet back there and a bunch of, like, just, and I was, like, I was cleaning it, like, the whole weekend. I was just cleaning stuff out just because this mouse was, was outside. It wasn't even in my house. It was close mm. enough to my house where I was, like, no, 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 <laughs> not happening. But the traps out there, I was, like, I, I don't do mice, man. I just, I, I'm not a fan. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. It, mice are, are yeah, I, they suck. Um, and, and a lot of places, like if you live out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes it's just you can't, you're going to have them, like those field mice. Right, right, right. Um, I'm not talking like New York City sore rats, bad news brown over here. I'm talking about like, you know, field, you know, field mice. Sometimes, some people can't avoid them, you know. Um, and then there's... Uh, those New York City rats. I was uh, I was kind of surprised when when I went to New York. Obviously for WrestleMania weekend, those things are uh, they're they're confident little buggers. Like they don't even move. They're just like you know what I mean. Like you oh, come no. out, yeah, there's like I'm here. I'm standing here. What are you doing? Get out of here. I'm like all right, all right. Okay. Yeah, they're they're so they're so used to people that they... <laughs> they don't move. Like I walked by one and I was like it was a standoff and I was like all right, well I guess I'm walking by because you're not moving. All right, cool. Like, no, they like, don't he care. won. He won the battle. <laughs> no, they they. I mean. You know, look where they live. They can't. They're not afraid of people. I mean, if they're rummaging through a garbage bag and you walk by, they're not. They don't give a fuck about you. So yeah, they did. They're very bold. Very <laughs> I was bold. surprised though. I was like, okay, all right, whatever. Like he wanted to stand up. Like I got out of his way. I was like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, he knows you're from out of town <laughs> you do, too. Do your so thing. You know. Yeah, yeah, he knew it. He could smell the the out of towner all over me. So. Because you stopped in your tracks and you acknowledged them. So like, <laughs> exactly right, right. This mother, this Midwestern fucking corn fucker. You know, he's got nothing on, you know, he knew you weren't from around those parts. You know, he, he sniffed out that Chicago accent of yours <laughs> and, and, and he knew exactly what he was dealing with. I get frogs too. 
my 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 driveway is filled with like these toads and these frogs. Interesting. Yeah, I got a few backyard frogs. They're they're uh, they hang around my like uh, my my plants and stuff. So I try to like mow my lawn, and they're jumping all over the place. I'm like, what are you idiots doing? Like, I go out of my way to make sure I don't run them over either with the the lawnmower. But yeah, they're they're everywhere in my backyard. There are flattened frogs all oh. up and down the street because. They're just everywhere, and they just—I guess—they're slow, and they just get run over. They're always—I flatten them in my driveway by accident. They're pretty dumb. Like this, this one, like that, I almost run over with my lawnmower. I have to like shoo him or her, whatever, into like an area, and then like kind of guard that area off because like it'll just jump right back into like the line of sight of like my lawnmower. And I'm like, come on, man, I don't want to—I really don't want to run you over with my lawnmower. Like that's not what I'm into doing right now. But sometimes, you know, I think I've avoided it most of the time. But yeah, it's it's pretty dumb. It it, it goes out of its way to try to die. So. Uh, well, I had a dead one in the garage the other day, but the, the fire ants had gotten to it. So it was basically just the skeletal remains at that point with, you know, the ants picking at what was Jeez, left. What a, what a hellscape you live in, sir. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so I said that I got a broom and I knocked it into the lawn. But um, but yeah, the, the, the geckos live in the garage, too. There, When I first moved in, I couldn't figure it out. I had these white pellets, like all on like the garage. Oh, wall. I remember this conversation. We had this discussion. I think on this on this very show. Oh, uh, did we? So we're like repeating the same. I, I, not, I don't know if we're repeating all of the same topics, but definitely the. I remember you calling the exterminator about the white stuff on the walls. I, I do remember that. But yeah, on, I, those, thought I, had, I thought I had. I thought I thought had a mouse infestation because I didn't know what was going on. But I'm like, why would they be shitting on the walls? So I took pictures of these things, and you know, I showed my exterminator, and he he, I sent it to him, and he's like, yeah, if it's white shit with little black tips, it's gecko shit. And it's on the walls because those fuckers are, you know, they're chilling out on the wall. They just, they'll just shit, and it's and the shit sticks to the wall, and it bothers me. So you know, every couple of weeks I go out there with the broom and I have to sweep gecko shit off of the garage walls, and then out <laughs> the garage. So it's fucking reptiles around here. I had a dead snake carcass in my uh, garage too, but he like it was nothing left but the. Uh, but but the bones and like a shed of he got caught in some netting. Oh, and, uh, okay. Right, he yeah, was yeah. able to shed his one layer of skin, but then he got caught again. It was I had bird netting in there, okay, and then he got caught in this. So it was like there was there was snake skin and there was bones. So of course I'm not touching that shit, even with gloves. So. I found someone on Craigslist to come get rid of it. <laughs> You're kidding me? You no, serious? I'm not. What does that ad look like? What does that ad look like? Well, I I combined it in like the garage needed to be cleaned out anyway, <laughs> and then also a threesome. <laughs> and I, right, well, you know, if if you can get it, sure. But right. normally, normally a Craigslist handyman isn't going to be like the same Venn diagram as a Craigslist late night, you know, casual encounter. But if you, you got to shoot your shot, though, right? I mean, you never know. I mean, if you can get the two in one combo, but normally it's a very shady man and an old pickup truck who, you know, is desperate to make the 25 bucks or whatever he's charging me to come get rid of the snake carcass. But in this case, it was like I combined it. I figured, eh, I need my garage cleaned out anyway. I'm not dealing with the dead snake. So I paid someone to come out and clean out my garage for like 150 bucks or something. And it got rid of the snake carcass as well. You see, I made it like a package deal. Did you make it known that there was going to be a snake carcass in there, though? Of or did you not. say clean? Okay, okay. so you said clean my no. garage. Oh, what is that? Oh, my God, it's a snake carcass. Okay. Yeah, I said I need someone. <laughs> yes, I said I need someone to come clean out my garage. Um, uh, you know, make your offer. Uh, there's some scrap metal that's yours that's free to take if you want to. You know, I, I made it enticing. But I'm not going to mention the dead fucking animal in there. I mean, that that's part of the job. You know, like if they, that's, 
So I don't want to drive people off. So you know, they who the person didn't mention it though. So I mean, they who else? God knows what else they. You heard the right, kind of exactly. wildlife right. I got Oh, I'm sure. Out. I'm sure they've they've if if they if they responded to an ad for cleaning a garage or cleaning anything like they have seen much much worse stuff. Like I always remember that anytime I would have like. Uh, you know, an inspector or somebody come into like my house or my apartment or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's dirty. Uh, and they're like, dude, <laughs> like, d- yeah. do you understand what I see on a daily basis? Like, you having right. like, uh, you know, a, a pair of shoes in the middle of the hallway is like, that's fine, man. It's, 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 I, I see some shit. Like, so you got to always kind of understand that no matter what you think you have that's weird or whatever, there is a thousand times more weird somewhere out there, especially to people that, uh, responding on Craigslist, I'd imagine they get some real, uh, weird shit. So, yeah, I don't do anything. I just you, listen. You know how Lanza deals with things. I do. I do. Yeah. You call a guy. That's you know. You call a guy. There's always a guy that'll come and do whatever you need done. There's a guy somewhere that you can call to come do it. So I can sit and watch a ball game while the guy does whatever it is I don't want to do. You see what I mean? Like that's that's how you got to handle these things. You know, I had a wasp nest up on the. Oh, I, I dealt with the, I dealt with the wasp nest a few weeks ago. You 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 saw the play by play that I mentioned on the uh, the voice wrestling slack. So I did. So you know, you call a guy and he comes out and he's like, seriously, that I'm like, yeah. So he 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 got like the spray gimmick and mm-hmm. it took him like thirty seconds. Now listen, I, I'm willing to pay twenty five bucks for someone to come out and do it, so I don't have to do it. You know, let him risk getting stung. You know what I mean? That's. I keep the economy going. I'm good for the economy, Rich. <laughs> you hear the, the one-man stimulus package over there, Joe Lanza. That's, uh, I keep the money moving. Trickle down comes from Lanza, <laughs> Lanza to $20 right. Craigslist people. Uh, hey. Well, whatever, you know. It, pays you, for you, a you, dinner. You, yeah, plays for a meal. So, How much am I supposed to pay for someone to come spray a wasp nest? I mean, you know. Well, the, the reason why I did it is because I looked, I looked it up, actually, and saw it was pretty expensive in my area. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it. I don't care. So just went out there with gloves and a... Did the spray thing, then waited a little bit, and then the next day I sprayed it with a hose, and it's all gone. So, yeah, I mean, the guy comes and does the lawn. I could have bought fifty lawnmowers by now with the money I paid this guy to come do the lawn. But again, now I don't have to push the lawnmower. You see what I'm saying? So to me, it's it's worth it. It's a worthy trade off to have the guy come out and do it. You know, it, it it's easy. He don't even he sends me a text like three times a year. Like, and he'll be like, oh, you owe me, you're behind $330, sir. And I'll be, you know, I'll PayPal it to him and that'll be the end of it. I don't even pay him every, like, it's, it's, it's a lovely relationship that I have with my various guys. You know, it works and I don't have to do shit. And really that's what life's about, right? Like not doing shit. Like making money so you don't have to do shit. (laughs) It is, it is the American dream. Absolutely. All right. So we have tons to get to. This week we have the G1 finals, the huge upset I would say of of, of Jay White over Tetsuya Naito. We have Kota Bushi's moment in the sun as he finally wins a G1. We have SummerSlam, we have Takeover. But Joe, right before we start recording this, huge, huge breaking news that we absolutely have to start the show off with. Joe, WWE.com has the story: Legendary Japanese wrestler Kendo Kashin joins WWE Performance Center coaching staff. Well, you know, the you one- ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> like let me let me read the article here before oh, you. Oh yeah, um, sure. I, I would love to hear. I mean, the accolades are are, are numerous for one Kendo Kashi. Legends, here. huh? Uh, 
Uh, the WC- WWE Performance Center has added one of Japan's most decorated junior heavyweight wrestlers Ooh. to its coaching ranks. Uh, uh, Tokimitsu is uh, is Ishizawa, I think Ishizawa, uh, the last time I pronounced it, uh, who made his name in the squared circle as the mass grappler Kendo Kashin, his newest coach to join WWE's training facility in Orlando, Florida, an accomplished freestyle wrestler in his youth. Uh, Ichizawa turned pro in the early 90s and went on to hold the junior heavyweight titles in New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling. A feared submission specialist, Ichizawa also fought in professional mixed martial arts, including the now-defunct Pride Championship League. Uh, Ichizawa also competed in Europe and the United States during his entering career. In 2002, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named him one of the 22, the 22nd best wrestler in the world. 22nd best wrestler in the world. On the PWI 500, uh, Ishizawa was invited to be a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center last February. At the time, Finn Balor posted a photo of himself along with yada, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what do you think? Ken Okashin, one of the most decorated junior heavyweights in uh, in Japan. I mean, the Japanese legend, Ken Okashin, Performance Center. What do you think about it? Oh, yes. An absolute legend of epic proportions, <laughs> Kendo, Kendo Kashin. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, Rich, a lot of people who say, that um, Kendo Kashin was the star of one of the worst Ring of Honor shows in the history of the company. And um, I disagree with that. I, I, I disagree with that. I think that Kendo Kashin was just awful, period, for his entire career. And that the Ring of Honor show uh, did not deviate from what we were seeing from that man throughout his career anyway. I love the fact that they call him a decorated fighter as well. I guarantee you he's like <laughs> one in seven or something because he was a terrible it's, fighter. Too. Horrible. Yeah. So so he, the, the fun thing with Kendo Kashin is, and he was one of our original, like I, I know for, for old school listeners, you might remember back in the day, like he was one of our initial like real targets that we went after. And we had people like people that followed us on Twitter from the from pretty much the beginning of, of our Twitter account. Like we had some hardcore Kendo Kashin people that would get on us and get really mad. I mean, there was one guy, I think we dubbed him Kendo Kashin guy who yeah. just like would light into us every single time we would talk about him. He had a Kendo Kashin avatar and he would be like, no, you guys are right. He's the greatest. He's one of the greatest ever, ever. And he's a, he's a real shooter and he'd kick any of those guys asses. He'd kick Okada's ass. He'd kick all these guys. And so like, I always had this like thing. I was like, well, okay. Like, you know, he, he was in pride and, and he fought in these other things. And then actually it wasn't until I, I did a, uh, I did a spot, uh, Chris Charlton, uh, obviously new Japan world, uh, had a, a, a podcast series when he was releasing his eggshells book. Um, where he was going over every single one of the Tokyo Dome years. And I remember I had a year where uh, Ken Okashin, I forget the exact, I think it was 2001, I want to say, but I can go back and get the exact year, where he was, in a bi- he was in a big match at that year's Tokyo Dome. And I wanted to go back and watch some of his MMA fights because I had always heard, okay, well, Ken Okashin, real shooter. Oh, this guy's a shooter. Oh, this guy's a shit. And I watched this, and, and like, A, like you're saying, like, he, he got his ass kicked all the time. Like he sucked. He was terrible. I'm trying to look up his 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 uh his overall numbers right now or his overall uh, record right now. But then I watched the the Gracie match, the one that the, the famous. Oh, he he beats what was it, Ryan Gracie, right, or Hyatt or whatever the fuck you want to call him. I forget what the hell. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so he beats him in in uh in an MMA match, and I watched this. I'm like, well, that's I mean that's an impressive win. I mean Ryan Gracie's a pretty accomplished you know pride <laughs> fighter and whatnot. So so I went and watched it. And have you ever watched that fight, or do you remember that fight? Uh, pride 15 is is, is the uh, is the date of that one? I don't remember. I guarantee I saw it, but I don't. I don't remember. Well, refresh my memory. So here. essentially, in the end of the match. So by the way, he lost his first MMA fight. He lost to, to Gracie, and then he came back this time and, and and beat him TKO via injury. Because what happens is, is 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 Gracie basically kicks the fuck out of him for about I think it's the match itself is probably I don't know four or five minutes. 
somewhere in between there. But essentially, he beats the fuck out of him for like four minutes. He goes for a move and his knee pops out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he crumbles yeah. to the ground and then they just raise, you know, Kashin's hands or Ishizawa's hands and he's the winner. He's he, got, tied. he got destroyed. He didn't land a single move. Grace you know is playing it's with the, this guy. <laughs> like, it's like the it's like Matt Hamill beating John Jones when John Jones beat him within an inch of his life and got DQ'd for an elbow. Um, you know, same kind of uh, situation. But yeah, that's probably he probably didn't win many more fights. That's probably might he be never the won only another fight one. He, he never won another fight, Joe. But after that moment, Enoki then decides, okay, well, we got a shooter on our hands. This guy beat a Gracie, yeah. and they just keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And he's he's you know in a top, top, sing, I think semi main events of Tokyo Domes. He's he's winning yeah. titles. He's like one of the more pushed commodities in the entire thing, based off a win in a match where the other guy was kicking the fuck out of him, like literally kicking the fuck out of him until his kneecap exploded. And that's how he won. And it's just like, I love it. And and you're absolutely right. He fucking stinks. He's terrible. He's so bad. But uh, he's a decorated legend. So Kendo Kashin was such a bad fighter that he lost to Shibata, who's also a horrible fighter. Yeah, yeah. Dream 12 lost so, Shibata. His, his, uh, the, the, you should say his final record is 1-5-1. and one. He also had a draw. Um, yeah, he's, he was terrible. <laughs> like, and, and, and he's and, losing it like 30 you know, seconds like, too. He's not winning. It's not like he's he's just barely making it. Like he is he is TKO, TKO, submission, TKO, TKO. So yeah. No, he's awful. TKO like, punches from Shibata. Thing, Shibata punched him so much. He TKO. Yeah, you have these so bad. You have these wrestling fans sometimes, and they get enamored with these quote unquote real shooters. It's like they stink though. Like and that era of Japan, they were just putting anybody into these fights because it was like essentially it's just what you did then, you know, to try to gain guys credibility. So then you could then hope they, they win a big fight and then you could push them in pro wrestling. And there was just so much crossover that, you know, guys like Kashin and Shibata, you know, they fought all the time, but they weren't good. Like and, and, and it's like I don't know why these wrestling fans get so enamored with this idea that these guys are, are real fighters when – if you're not good, then what's the difference? Anyone can go in there and lose. I mean, it, it's it's he was never a good real fighter, so he didn't like like, and he was and he was a terrible pro wrestler, like just awful. Um, there was just nothing redeeming about Kendo Kashin as a performer in any respect whatsoever. Right, his gimmick was that he sucked too. That's the thing that if you go back and actually watch it, it's like his gimmick is that he fucking stinks, and he knows he's, he knows he stinks. And everybody knows he stinks, but that's, he's like such a shithead. He's like he's like Taichi without any of the good Taichi matches. If Taichi just always was his the worst that he ever is, that's Ken Okasha. You know as what I mean? The, like as the, as the years went along, he clearly didn't give a fuck. Like you, you'd watch Ken Okasha wrestle, and the effort just wasn't there. And then, like you said, he kind of became like a tongue-in-cheek parody of himself. It's hard to describe. Like he'd be like, he he knew. He, he wasn't good and he wasn't trying to be good, but the gimmick was that he wasn't trying to be good. That's the best way I can phrase it. But um, yeah, one of the most unwatchable wrestlers of, of, of the era, uh, you know, without question. And it's like, I could see if like he was a good fighter and a good shooter and people are like, all right, I'm into him because, you know, this guy, but he wasn't even a good fighter. Like, that's the thing. And he didn't come across as a badass in pro wrestling. Like Katsuyori Shibata, who we will talk about a lot on this show. Yes, yeah, we will. He at least he at least always came across as a badass in pro wrestling. 
you know, and, and like Brock Lesnar comes across as a badass in pro wrestling. You know, you can, you can go down the line. Ken Shamrock always came across. He was a great fighter too, obviously, but always came across as a legitimate bet. Kendo Kasha never even came across as a badass. He just came across as this weird guy with a dumb mask who wasn't very good at anything. So I don't know. So I guess he's going to go to performance center. And- <laughs> uh, so I, I'll let you have a few guys. Who do you think, uh, was the the champion to get Kendo Kashin in there, and does his name start with a G and end with Abe Sapolsky? No shot. <laughs> There's no way that's the connection. You don't There's think no, so? Not a chance. Are you oh, kidding? you think he's still harboring ill will from the maybe 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 Gabe thought that that actually was good, and that it was just the fans that didn't enjoy it. No, 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 no. You've never heard Gabe <laughs> talk about that. I think yeah, no, he he thought it was complete. Are you fucking right? with me? Because yeah, that show. No, he hated it. Yeah, I know. yeah, it was an, <laughs> yeah. That was that was forced upon them. Uh, he had the win. He was predictably terrible in the fucking tournament because he was always terrible. And it's like, yeah, no, there's no way. I mean, that that show is is that's one of those shows that is so bad that it's legendary and people watch it because it was so bad. Like there's bad shows that no one wants to see again. That's a bad show that people watch because it's like it, it, it's, it's become a thing of legend. How, how bad Kashin was on that show and how bad the show turned out because of him, because of Dragon Soldier B, which again, has the question ever been answered as to where is Dragon Soldier A? Like, <laughs> was that ever answered? I, mean, uh, I don't believe so. Not in, uh, in ROH canon. I don't believe it was ever officially answered. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's so much talent on that show, too. That's The one that Joe's talking about here is uh, April 2nd, 2005, the Best of the American Super Juniors uh, tournament, which is relevant because we're talking about the J-Cup here a little bit later. But, I mean, you have Danielson, Spanky, Dragon Soldier B, Matt Seidel, Black Tiger, which I believe was Romero at that point. Yeah, it was Romero at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Shelley, James Gibson, Roderick Strong. <laughs> yeah. Those are your guys. And the winner is Dragon Soldier over Black Tiger. In the it was, not even third from the top, because I, Gabe probably knew it was going to be a fucking train wreck. Uh, and he had a few other matches going after that one. But yeah, you have Dragon Soldier B and Black Tiger. Uh, in the finals of a tournament that featured Brian Danielson, Brian Kendrick, Matt Seidel, Alex Shelley, James Gibson, and Roderick Strong. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you like really boring wrestlers who, you know, ha- know how to put on a key lock, I mean, he's your man. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, he, he just wasn't good at anything. Um, no charisma. I mean, he's just a nothing. He's, he's just a total zero. But, um you know, I, I, maybe he can, I guess he's there to teach people how to do legitimate holds and stuff. And I guess that's all well and good. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, don't. given that WWE house style we're talking about on SummerSlam is to slow things down to a fucking grind so the crowd can't possibly be excited about anything. I guess he's your man then. If, if, if there's one guy that's going to teach you, you know, a lot of these other guys in NXT are going to teach you, you know, these, these high flying moves and all this sort of stuff. But if you need someone to grind a match to an absolute fucking halt. Uh, Kendall's your guy, though, so I, I I get the hire. I definitely get it. Did, was he the agent for AJ Styles Ricochet? <laughs> he might have been. Yeah, that might have been his his test pattern to see. All right, buddy, here you got a match here. What are you going to choose? And then he said, Ah, you know what I'm going to do here? Ricochet, one of the most dynamic wrestlers in the world. What I'm going to do? None of that bullshit. None of that high flying. None of that. We're going to work his legs. And then he's going to lose. Yeah, that that yeah, he may have been. He may have been. That definitely felt like his style. So anyway, just wanted to. It's uh, like I never in that era. <laughs> I, I still don't understand. Like in that era, I never like marked out for wrestlers 
because they also fought on like K1 shows. It never did anything for me. Like, here's the weird thing though. Like, I enjoyed the opposite. Like, when a pro wrestler would be in a real fight, I would I I would love watching that and I would root for the pro wrestler, right? Like, so I would root for pro wrestlers in real fights, but when like fighters wrestled or when pro wrestlers who fought wrestled, then they weren't good. Them being in real fights did not enhance their rest, their pro wrestling for me at all. Am I making sense? No, for sure. And I think it's one thing if the guy is like a complete badass in MMA or whatever, and he comes in to wrestle and you're yes. like, all right, cool. Like this guy's a badass. He kind of has an aura yeah. about him. But when he's Kendall Kashin, he's getting TKO'd in 30 seconds. Like, how does that like, wow, man, this guy's a real shooter. Oh, man, this guy just competing in MMA. Like I can compete in MMA and get my ass kicked. That doesn't mean I'm better at other stuff because I went and got my ass kicked, it, it's a whole different animal if that guy goes in there and he dominates. And that's the thing, like, you go through, and, and, and it was always the thing, like, kind of gosh, I'm like, oh, man, he was, he was he's a real grappler. Oh, he knows what he's doing. Or, oh, he's a re- legitimate fighter. And it's like, I mean, he's been in legitimate fights, but I don't think he's a legitimate <laughs> fighter. Right. Like, Nagata fought in MMA, but he got his absolute shit pushed in, and it didn't help at all. Like, it, it, like, it was the reverse effect. But somehow for Kenokashin, it became this effect where it was like oh well, no this guy's uh, this guy's a shooter and like to their credit they don't tell you that he got it that he lost or he won that match against gracie because gracie's knee popped out they just say he tko'd gracie so that was smart of them to say hey maybe people don't know about this so we'll just keep saying that he tko'd gracie and eventually people will just eventually believe it and it feels like people have eventually believed it but then you go back and watch the match and you're like all right let's see what happens here and when you actually watch it you see that yeah gracie was kicking too much ass so much so that his knee popped out <laughs> and it's like no he, yes caution won by tko but there's you know look 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 at the context of that of why why did he lose yeah. every single other one of his matches immediately and somehow in this one you know he, he was able to tko one of the you know a member of the greatest fighting family ever like eh, maybe maybe there's something going on here so now some of the pro wrestlers were just put into situations where they were completely overmatched and it's like but everybody knew at the time that they were going to get slaughtered and no one really holds it against them. You, you know what I mean? Right, so it's right. like, and, and in hindsight, of course, it was very stupid. I mean, there was so little to gain. I mean, they were just hoping for a lucky flash KO or, or, or something that would catapult someone, you know, but like no pro wrestler with, you know, a year of training or six months of training was going to beat Fedor. You know, prime feet. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, Nakamura kind of had the same thing. Yeah, Nakamura kind of had the same thing too. Where I don't think people really held it against him. It was just kind of like, yeah, we know that you don't. He actually doing this. He was. He was was, because he was a natural athlete. Because he was a natural athlete, but he still got. I mean, he still like you know. He was halfway decent. Like he wasn't. He didn't embarrass himself like some of these other guys did. Um, you know, but but you know, some of them were just put into ridiculous situations that were just as it's a noki was a fool i mean in a lot of ways that was it was just i don't let's not go down that we're way. not going down there uh, there's so much else to talk about but, this uh, week but i just wanted to, to chime in on one of our old uh or our old enemies there kendall caution maybe uh i don't know where kendall caution guy has has gone over these many years but he's listening hopefully uh he'll let us know probably fucking blocked probably fucking blocked <laughs> With the rest of those fucking assholes. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just some people just, you, you only have a certain tolerance for like the world's worst opinions. Like you, you become useless to me when all of your opinions are just fucking trash. And, and, and he's probably blocked Yeah, with the rest of his ilk. That's where Kendo Kashin guy is. Oh. But this might be a big day for him unless he feels like Kendo Kashin turned his back 
by joining uh, WWE. Who knows? It can go either way, really. Yeah, but, uh, I'll be interested to see if uh, if he pops up again. So, and I'll know if it's an impressor too. I, I know I know the real Ken Okashin guy. I know the uh, the tone. Like I said, yes. he was an early enemy, one of our first enemies, I would say. So, nearly days. I, I give him credit for that. He was he was listening when not many other people were. Uh, he was hate listening before it became real popular to hate listen to Bill Voice Wrestling. Uh, Flagship podcast. Yeah, hey man, I don't care, man. I like you guys every single week. Thank you for your support. We always do appreciate it. But okay, let, let's get to it. This is I cannot believe we had this week and we spent thirty minutes on geckos and kendo caution. But we're here, Joe G One Climax. It has finally, finally ended. You can finally, I guess, have a free day. But then you're doing more shit on Patreon, so now you're not even going to get a free day off. Which you want to talk about that here real quick before we actually get into the g1 so the g1 daily updates are now done but you got a new project you're going to be working on at uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling yeah a lot of people were confused we always do the g1 final on the flagship people were looking for it on the pay side uh i i I even i thought i mentioned plenty of times too that uh we were gonna do the final here but um i guess if they're listening now they know that uh but people were looking for it but yeah now that the g1 is over i'm starting up a new project i am doing a complete and thorough and when i say complete and thorough i mean complete and thorough Okay, a complete and thorough ECW rewatch, starting with um, the earliest footage available in, in 1992. And I am watching literally everything. So uh, every hardcore TV, every ECW on, on TNN, every pay-per-view, every special event uh, that is available on the network or otherwise, um, anything that's been uploaded to the network has ever the network is great for that because it has every hardcore t- it has every episode of ECW television, both shows, every pay-per-view, obviously. It has 12 additional uh, ECW arena or you know, Queens, New York uh, special events. I've dug and found some stuff in some nefarious places that I'm going to be looking at too. So I'm basically going to be watch, watching everything that I can get my hands on with the exception of the fan cams. I'm not going to go that far. And, um, and reviewing everything, all of it, in chronological order, starting with the earliest footage in 1992, all the way through Ezekiel Jackson, Rich. We're going... <laughs> All the way through. What year is that going to be when you're talking about old uh, Ezekiel Jackson? It's going to be like 2035, right? Like, how long is it going to take you to get there? 1992 to 2010. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm watching it all, everything. The One Night Stands, December to Dismember, uh, ECW on, WWE ECW on Sci-Fi, all of it. And it is all getting reviewed. And listen, these aren't just going to be match reviews, okay? This is going to be a history lesson. It's going to be a history lesson. I know plenty about the topic to begin with, but I've been studying. I've been doing my research. I've been talking to people who were involved and people who were there. Uh, you might get a special guest or two. Who knows? That's not locked in, but you know, you never know. Maybe Rich Crate will show up. You never know. Okay. Um, I can talk so, about I went to the Odium as like a 12-year-old. I could talk about, <laughs> what was it? Uh, God, what was the event now that I'm blanking on the, on the title of it? It's one the one where... Uh, Mike Awesome won the title. Uh, crap, I'm blanking on. Well, the name you're of gonna it. you're gonna figure out what it was, and you're gonna come on when I get to there that. There we go. Good, year, perfect. Yeah. In the year 2023, when I get to that show, <laughs> I don't you're think gonna, you're getting. There. I don't think you're getting there by 2023. But. You're gonna listen. I you're gonna be surprised. Look, I got a lot of this done already. So, Anarchy you know, rules. Anarchy rules it. is the one I was at. Well, there you go. There, there's the guest for Anarchy Rules 99 or whatever. I'm guessing it's about 99. Uh, correct. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So. Um, I think people are going to be surprised. These aren't going to be, uh, you, you know, people listen to my Thursday TV reviews. It's not going to be structured like that at all. There's going to be a ton of history. It's going to go deep. Um, and it's going to be more focused on what was happening, why it happened, 
uh, what went wrong, what didn't go wrong. What I'm really curious about is to see what holds up and what doesn't. There's this thing out there that none of it holds up. Well, we'll find out. I'm going to come in with a blank slate, open mind. So a lot of it I've seen, a lot of it I haven't seen. Um, you know, and and we're going to dig deep and and do a complete front to back everything, all of it. ECW rewatch, five dollar tier on the Patreon. The first show should be up sometime this week, and that will cover the uh, the very first. 1992 home video release best of ECW volume one that they recently uploaded to the network a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, to my knowledge, that is the very first, uh, uh, ECW footage. I think it's from the, uh, there's matches from the sixth and seventh shows. I think I don't have my notes out. Um, so that'll be the, the first show. And uh, that should come out sometime this week. It won't take long to get through 1992 because there's not a lot of stuff out. There's that uh, Best of ECW Volume 1, the Best of ECW Volume 2, uh, which also uh, are matches from the from the early days. That one's actually labeled, Rich, ECW's Bloodiest Matches. Is what that I, one saw that, I saw that one on the network the other day. Uh, uh, then I clicked it. I don't think any of the matches were very bloody. <laughs> I remember watching about halfway through. So They're not very bloody, and three of the four matches are just from the random them show that they taped but uh listen you have to have a marketing hook you gotta have that hook you know and then there's the uh the 1992 uh television pilot that they shopped at the time so that's on the network and then i found uh, uh the main event from battle of the belts uh on youtube so we'll, we'll take a look at that and then we'll move into well 1993 it really gets going because that's when hardcore tv starts in march of 93 uh when eddie gilbert shows up takes over the book and then, um, you know, so then away we go. Then it'll be easy from there. But, uh, I think your dogs are getting extreme over there, Craig. Yeah, they're ready to go. I know. They're, they're excited hype. about this uh, project. They they're ready to watch listen. the Sandman versus the Spider. They want to see the unification. They, they want to hear me break down the Super Destroyers is what they want. I can't wait to break down. <laughs> well, Tony Stetson. Some Tony Stetson action here. A lot so. of to- Listen, there's a lot of Tony Stetson. Okay? Those first there's years are going to be tough, Tony man. Stetson. People are gonna have to, but but I think you're gonna put a nice spin on them because yeah, it's 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 rough waters there for a little bit, man. But it, it's gonna be it, it, the thing is though, it becomes worth it once you get through those rough waters. That's what made ECW so good is that like you got a little bit of that weirdness and then it got good, and when it got good, it got great. So that that'll, that'll be fun to see uh, the journey as you go through there. But yeah, Patreon.com/slash/Voices of Wrestling. I'm also uh, finishing up on the Boys of Summer series as well. Uh, covering what do you mean? You got like event. 18 years left. Uh, well, I'm not going to get all the way to 2018. I'm going to at least go huh. until the end of August. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, these the matches get too long. That's the problem. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through. You got to get right. to the classic SummerSlam main event of 2015. Which one was that one? I have no fucking clue. You think I remember? <laughs> <it just laughs> I was going to say modern shows. I have no idea. <laughs> that one might have actually been. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I'm oh, sure it was oh. fucking Dean Ambrose versus fucking. <laughs> no, I think it was Brock versus somebody. 2015. Uh, Brock versus Undertaker. Undertaker wins by submission. Okay. Yeah. With a yeah, I do. I, I remember that now that you mention it, but um, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that was it for that year 14 was brock versus cena right with the destruction um, that one's yes correct yes any other recent vintage year i have like if you said what was the SummerSlam main event of 2017 i'd be like well i reviewed it here on this podcast i reviewed, <laughs> it. Talked about it, I reviewed it professionally in a magazine and i couldn't fucking tell you no shot can i tell you 
the main event of SummerSlam 20. SummerSlam 2017. All right, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Brock Lesnar defeats Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman in a fatal four way. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any memory. All right. If you say so. I'm sure somebody got speared through a, a barricade or something like that. I'm sure. So you could be lying to me and I wouldn't. I, 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 I promise here. So, uh, oh my oh my god, dude. Time is a flat circle here. Uh, AJ Styles defeats Kevin Owens in a singles match with Shane McMahon as the guest referee. Yeah. Um well your summer man is Jinder Mahal versus Nakamura. That uh definitely is a <laughs> uh Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Can you imagine, Joe? Unbelievable. Unbelievable action here. Natalia in the SmackDown women's title scene. Um Sasha Banks. This is all, that's the, the, same, this is the same show we just saw. It's the same show we just saw two years ago. And then Nothing Lesnar, has changed. Yeah, oh my god, that was oh Jesus. Anyway, all right, let's get to this G one here. Let's let's go because we got to talk about this G one. We've, we've wasted enough time talking about things that were not this G one. Joe, where the hell do we begin with this? You don't want to rewatch those classics and review them on audio. <laughs> yeah, I'm really. Yeah, exactly. I, I hopefully I could get to like 2013 and then just be like, all right, I'm good. like like shows that at least at least if I can get to shows that we didn't talk about on the show, I'll I'll feel a little bit better. But yeah, having going back and watching the 2017 Summer Slamming event sounds just absolutely terrible. We'll see what we do. You know, I got some time, so we'll see where we go. I'm doing 18 years of well, ECW shows. You I'm can't not an do idiot. The- you're an idiot. You can't do the 2007 SummerSlam. You can't do I, it. Oh, I can get to 2007 for sure. I, I just, yeah, just just released 2002 as we uh, as we're recording this. So, yeah, you're almost there. What was the 2007 SummerSlam event, Joe? Since uh, Hot Shot, <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler no, versus. There, but it was it was not. I know for a fact it wasn't. 2007, maybe it was. Uh, uh, 2000. John Cena versus Randy ding, Orton is always ding, a good ding, match. Ding, singles match for the WWE Championship. Oh, really yeah, 21 wow. minutes and 20 seconds. I'm sure it stinks, and Randy Orton does a lot of side headlocks in it. So, basically, if it's between the years <laughs> 2004 and 2013 for any WWE pay per view, if you're stuck, just say Randy Orton versus John Cena, and there's a good chance, like a 45 percent chance, you're gonna get it. And then, right, and then you just say Brock Lesnar for anything after 2013, and you're good. Like you've right. basically you've basically done it. So. That's 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 the truth. That's how you do it. That's how you figure it all out. All right, let's get to this here. G1, final three days of it. We got the A Block Finals, the B Block Finals, and of course, the final show, the final match with the huge angle with Shibata, the G1 final main, you know, the main event, Kotobushi, Jay White. Joe, where the hell do we start with this? Hey, listen, There's so many ways to go. If they want the A Block and B Block final breakdowns, they could cough up the five bucks at Patreon.com. Wow. Slash Voices Wrestling. I mean, you something know. else. You're something you know, else. Well, I, 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 we got to talk about, we got to talk at least about the Naito thing, right? We're, we're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So Naito. There's no need to talk about that August 10th. Like that A Block show may as well have been nine years ago at this point you know what i mean like like great i mean kota well, yeah. and okada was fantastic great match osprey hiroshi tanahashi incredible match great moment for will osprey but like having to go back that far which seems like ridiculous because it was you know what a week i uh, barely not even a week ago it was two shows ago but it feels like eight years ago right with all the stuff that happened on the b-block final uh, and then the final final so well i do have to bring this up um, via tiebreakers, Will Ospreay finished third in the I block. know, I know. I took my victory lap a little too soon. <laughs> so you've got to... T- what are they now, doing having to beat Tanahashi? That's ridiculous. Do I think Gato is sitting there working out the eight the eight-way tiebreaker for third? No. I think it's happenstance that it worked out that But either way, Will Ospreay finished third in his block in his very first... Was it third or fourth? It was third, right? I think, I I think, think he, yeah, by, via tiebreaker, he did finish third, yeah. So I'll take my L on that. So Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, we should mention that briefly. I mean, that is an enormous win 
for Will Ospreay to, 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 to have them, to have him defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi in, in Budokan on the final night of a block. I mean, that's huge. And that, again, it's another indication. I mean, I think everybody realizes it by now, but that's another indication that there's uh, real plans for a real significant push for that guy uh, moving forward because he's not going to get a win of that magnitude on a show of that magnitude. Um, you know, uh, if, if that's not the plan for him. So, um, and as far as the fine, the, you know, that block fine, I mean, Abushi versus Okada. Yeah. It was just an incredible match. And, um, and Okada picks up the win and then, uh, the B block. Yeah. The Naito thing. So Naito, uh, it comes down to Naito and Jay White as expected. John Moxley gets knocked off and then Goto gets knocked off. Um, they both get upset. Uh, Shingo. Now again, Shingo too. Shingo beats Ishii and was it Ishii and Goto, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, to, to finish it off, to finish off his, and he gets a big win in Budokan Hall too. So that tells you, and then, and then he announced that he's going heavyweight full time. So again, um, you know, it, it tells you that they have real legitimate plans for Shingo. So, um, so that's significant as well. And then you had Jay White versus Naito. And I was very surprised. Although I did think if Ibushi was going to be in the final, that that was kind of the opening for someone other than Naito. Cause I, I, I wasn't sure that they would do Ibushi and Naito again, um, you know, for the, for the final. And that's how it played out. With that said, I, I was still, you know, the, the, the finish still surprised me. Um, and yeah, so. Naito does not even make the final, let alone win the G1. And it's kind of like when you look at the G1, it's so well booked every year. And it was so well booked this year that there's probably like eight to 10 guys who are just coming out of this tournament hotter than they were when they came into it. And we just talked about two of them with Willow Spray and Shingo. And then there's Lance Archer and, you know, you go on and on. Kota Bushi, obviously. Yeah, Jay- Sonata, despite the, the loss to Bad Luck Folly in the final night, which was stupid. They should have had Sonata win that one. But yes. I think he ultimately, though, I, I think people will remember the win over Okada more, more than they'll remember, you know, a loss to Bad Luck Folly in the final night. So, yeah, Sonata for sure. Jay White, I think, absolutely comes out of this hotter than when he came in. So, you know, and there's probably a couple. Of, oh, Ishii, of course. I mean, with the, with the incredible tournament that he had. But one person who definitely isn't coming out of this tournament hotter than when they came in was Naito. Naito is definitely someone who, um, you know, he feels directionless coming out of this now. But the thing about Naito losing is, again, I I, I refuse to write off that ultimately the plan is Naito-Okada in the dome again until they burn that match off elsewhere. Right. And they, ha- I, and they I have, I think it's important. Yeah. That's an important thing that I think a lot of people sort of gloss over and don't talk about is that if, if they truly said, cause a lot of people are basically saying, okay, well they, they, they think Nido's trash or whatever. They, they, they have no plans for him or they have nothing. If they didn't have plans for him, or they had no ideas and yada, yada, whatever they've, they've carefully kept Okada and Naito so far away from each other. For years now, I mean, they didn't. They weren't in the same blocks in the G one. They're never. They 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 just they're always apart from one another. Whether that's completely by accident, and they they really truly don't believe that Naito has anything, and they don't care about Naito and yada yada, whatever you want to say. I, I I will not believe, like you said, I, I I'm right in your boat too. That I will not believe that they would just keep those two away from each other as much as they have if they don't still have that in their back pocket and they still don't think that that's a match down the, down the line. Unless, again, they're just willfully ignorant to the idea that they've kept them apart, but I, I don't buy that because they're, they're not willfully ignorant to any matchup. 
in this company. Everything that's done, we always say, is done for a purpose and done for a reason. And I got to believe that that match being protected is being done for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, so otherwise they would have done it somewhere else. Um, and, and they haven't. And I think it's the biggest money match that they have right now. And they continue to hold it in their back pocket. And even after the completion of the G1 last week, I was I was saying publicly, I was, I'm not even writing off the idea that Naito Okada won't happen at this Wrestle Kingdom. I, I'm still not writing off that. Whether that means Naito somehow wins a briefcase, whether that means that with the two dome shows, they do something wacky with like a mini tournament that people have proposed or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm not even writing off the possibility that Naito gets that match against Okada and that win against Okada at this Wrestle Kingdom on one of those two shows. I don't think that's impossible. I think that's actually a distinct possibility still, even though he didn't win the tournament. So um, look, it's like Naito fans are emotional. We all know that. Okay. I, I don't know why they're more emotional than other fans. I, I, and I'm not interested in figuring it out. It's whatever to me. I have no skin in the game. I'm not emotional about any of these. Right, things. right, right. I think, I think it's credit to him in, in a lot of ways too. I think there is sort of a, a connection that he sort of built with people. And I think in one way, without trying to kind of <laughs> trying to diagnose exactly why people are so passionate about it too, is I think also the losing does have an aspect of that as well. The fact that he has quote unquote choked in some of these big moments allows people to kind of get in a little bit more and feel like he's a vulnerable and feel like he's again, like if the character has been him against the new Japan offense, him against new Japan, him against the book. So it's, it, it's a convenient story and you can kind of buy into the underdog. He's kind of this underdog story that you're going on right now, but we'll talk about it in a sec is, is just too much losing eventually become the, the opposite effect where then people start saying, okay, you know what? Actually, this guy's just a loser and I don't really like him anymore. Like, no. I think right now they've done a decent balance of like people get, invested in him because he hasn't had that moment and because they want him to to feel that moment and, and feel like they're a part of this ride or whatever but again yeah if he keeps losing and keeps choking eventually it's like all right what am i you know why am i along on this ride for him i disagree i've been hearing that for so long that i'm tired of hearing it how many years have we been hearing they're gonna run people off the the, the lij fans are gonna give up the nido fans are gonna give up they storm out of the building every time how many how many years are we gonna have to listen to this it's not going to happen it hasn't happened yet, and there's no indication that's going to happen. For three years, we've been hearing how New Japan is foolishly running off the Naito fans, and the last three years, they've set business records every year. So who are they really running off? I'm sorry. I don't buy it anymore. I do not buy it anymore. Um, I, I, I think it's nonsense. I don't think there's any evidence whatsoever that the booking of Tetsuya Naito has run off a single fan. And if there is, show it, show me. And I don't care about performative goofballs on Twitter screenshotting their canceled subscriptions when they probably just resubscribe the next day. I, I don't care about that. Show me real, tangible, statistically relevant evidence that the booking of Tetsuya Naito has run off fans. I challenge anyone to do that. You can, you can examine Naito's main events and tell me if he's not drawing as well, okay? Naito J. White just outdrew Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi from the night before. So you can't point to Naito's drawing power. You can't point to the overall business or health of the company when they just had their most successful financial year ever last year and are on pace to break that again this year and just had their most successful G1 again this year. Okay, so you can't point to the overall health of the business. You can't point to company revenue. You can't point to Naito's drawing power. Who are they running off? So I'm sorry. 
I am tired of listening to that. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe it. I don't buy into it. And I don't buy into the idea that he's just a forgotten man until they do Okada and Naito at fucking New Beginning and wherever the fuck. When they burn that match off somewhere else, I will believe that they have no intention of doing it at a dome. And I'm, st- I- I'm still standing here today saying that you might see it at this Wrestle Kingdom. And if you do, I think Naito's going to win. And maybe I am the fool, okay, who's going to get fooled again. And I won't. And here's the other thing, Rich, by the way, I don't care if Okada beats him again. That wouldn't bother me at all. Because, again, I'm not emotionally invested in him or really anyone in this company. I just like the matches. They're good. And they tell good stories. And I'm not wrapped up in Naito ever winning that title. Naito, if Naito never won that title again, it's no skin off my back. If he beat Okada on the 5th of January and held it for a year, it's no skin off my back. I don't care either way. I am so... Um, I am so just agnostic on Tetsuya Naito that it, 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 it doesn't matter to me. But I'm, I seem to be the only one who still thinks, and, and you too, you know, who still thinks that, that this is ultimately the plan. I'm like the only one that still has faith in, in, in what they're doing with Naito. Because it's just common sense. The yeah, I, I, I think faith might be a... I, I don't know that I have faith in it. I just find it interesting that the, the, that the match is still not been done that they've they've held it off faith is faith is an interesting word i think one of the big things that that, that i bring up with, with, with naito and, and and what happened with this build up with the g1 and, and 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 this result and whatnot is is you know in in one respect like and we're going to talk about it a little bit we're going to we're going to talk about how the jay white thing was like how we enjoyed the jay white thing and the kotobushi made like we're going to talk about that in a sec because because i do i'm fine with it i'm fine with the decision that they made while at the same time wondering, ah, is that really the right move? Or is that, ah, I don't know if I would do that. And the one thing that I bring up, and, and the reason why I brought up of, of, of Naito kind of appearing to be a loser, is that he makes these grandiose things about, oh, I'm going to win two belts. I'm going to win this G1. I'm going to do all that sort of stuff. And then and then, and then just you know goes out there and loses. And, and loses convincingly to Jay White, too. And I thought that was really interesting, as well as how they sort of structured that match. And that's that more than the booking decision itself got me a little worried is, is – not, not well, not worried. Maybe not the right word, but but got me kind of like, yeah, that's 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 strange because Jay White didn't really need a lot of interference. Jay White didn't need a lot of help. Like Jay White just beat Naito in the middle of the ring. He just hit the hit the switchblade and beat him. Which I, again, like in a, for a result as a pure result is fine because it got mega heat and Jay White became the biggest heel in the world and he transferred that the next night over to Kota Bushi and that was an incredible match. We're going to talk about it here in a bit. I just found it a little weird how convincingly Jay White beat Naito, which led me to believe, okay. What's the next step here? Like I've I've bought into the story from here on out. I'm I'm not fully invested in this story quite yet because I'm kind of curious. Okay, what are you doing with Naito? What's the next step with him? But then when that finish happens, it's like all right. Well, now really, I'm like you said, directionless, uh, directionless. Like where where do we get? Because I am still like you. I'm still trying to chart a path where Naito goes to Wrestle Kingdom, where Naito faces Okada, and maybe we're wrong and maybe we're dumb for doing that. But I'm still wondering in my head. Okay, how do you get to that point? And I haven't broken that point yet. But I'm starting to worry that like there might not be a path towards that right now, and 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 the way he loses, how convincingly he loses, and just some of the other stuff has me believing. Okay, what what what? You know, we're, we're January fourth is pretty close now, and 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 this guy is nowhere near where he needs to be to get to that point. But but I don't know. It, it, anything can happen in these next few months. It's look. I'm not. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that Naito versus Okada at either of the Wrestle Kingdom shows is like would be the 
would be the favorite. That I don't think that's like the clubhouse leader for where that. Like obviously, I think Okada Abushi right now looks like it's going to be the main event. I'm just saying, I can't write off the possibility that Naito sneaks in there. I, I can't write that off. Not when they haven't had anybody lose a briefcase yet. So that is always on the table. And not when you have these two shows and where you have Kota Ibushi saying that he wants to win both, t- both titles back-to-back nights, which is what he said at the presser the other night. He wants to beat Okada on night one, and he wants to – or, or whoever, well, he didn't spe- specifically say Okada. He said he wants to win because we know he has title defenses between now and then. But he, he wants to win the IWGP title on night one, and he said he wants to win the Intercontinental title on night two, which, yes, that could be Ibushi just talking out of his ass because he's crazy, and we all know that. Or it could be the directive he was given to go out there and say that. Uh, so we have to consider that, that maybe they're thinking about having some kind of scenario where this two-dome thing, which is uncharted territory, and we did we don't know how they're going to handle that, maybe the hook is going to be, you're going to see our four best wrestlers in a little mini tournament, and one of them is going to come out of those two days with both of the belts. Because we've seen Naito talk about it, and now we've seen Ibushi talk about it. And if that's the case, I mean, if they announce, like, obviously, I think you're getting Okada Naito on the back end of that. I mean, to me, that's what you do. Or, or um, you know, or at least there's the possibility to get. So there's a lot of different paths to get to Okada Naito here this year, let alone next year. Okay? It's always going to be a possibility because it, it, it's still their biggest drawing match. But, Rich, let me ask you this. Would it be so bad? that Naito keeps losing important matches in big spots if they're using him as the impetus to get other people over for the greater good of their business. In other words, you just mentioned, Jay White came out of this G1 just the hottest fucking heel in the business. And part of that was because he beat Naito and then, you know, had the great match against Ibushi and all that. And Naito all year long put over Kota Ibushi if Naito is super over and bulletproof, and uh, then is he the guy that needs to be pushed, or can you use him to get other? If you're using him to get other people over, is that like the worst decision in the world? Is that the worst thing in the world? What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> again, like me personally, I I don't care. To, to me, I'm not like you said. I'm not super emotionally invested in the Tetsuya Naito story and 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 him as a wrestler and him as a as a human being or whatever. So to me, I'm fine with that. I, I I'd be perfectly okay with that because I I like the idea of of creating more stars and I like the idea of him being the guy that 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 gets really close and then can't do it, but then the guys that do beat him sort of emerge from that. Eventually, that that is going to have an expiration date. You can't just have him lose and lose and lose and lose. Like you said, yeah. he's bulletproof now, but is he going to be bulletproof if he keeps losing? If it, after two years, he's, he keeps losing, keeps losing, keeps losing. Like I would almost argue this one might be one where it's just like, ooh, okay, like maybe, maybe he doesn't have that sort of aura about him anymore maybe he doesn't we'll have to see we don't know exactly right now we're, we're you know a few days out from the uh the match happening so we don't know what the fallout's going to be we don't know what that next step is going to be so I, I i think for me personally no I, w- I wouldn't hate that i'd be completely fine with that but i could see how a lot of people and, and and rightfully so would be a little upset about that story and it does feel it just feels unfulfilled with, with naito and, th- and that's the thing is it doesn't feel like there's a finality to his story there doesn't feel like there is sort of a the chapter hasn't really ended. It feels like it's still open, and, and 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 that's both good and bad. Like you said, the good is that you can still have that Okada match. That anytime you want to fire him up and ready to go, and he he's there and he's he's ready for that. But the, it does feel like the chapter is sort of getting close to ending because it's like, all right, Wrestle Kingdom twelve was 
that was years ago now at this point. It's like we're still kind of chasing that high and we're still sort of chasing what happened there. And 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 that might never happen again. Like that might be over and he might never get his revenge for that. And and I don't know that a lot of people I don't even know if myself and I'm not, like I said, I'm not super emotionally invested in Naito, but I don't know that I'm ready to kind of close that chapter and say, okay, well, yeah, he, he didn't win the big one. And then, yeah, it didn't happen. And then he lost the G1 and that it, it is what it is. Like, it just feels to me, it feels unfulfilled right now. It feels like it, they, they haven't closed that chapter yet. And, and I don't know if they ever will. I really don't. I don't know if it just slowly ends and, and that's it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'm very curious about the next step for Naito. Is it a crime if he never beats Okada? I mean, is it a crime against humanity no. if that happens? No, not really. I mean, who really makes a big deal out of that other than the staunchest of Naito fans? I mean, look at it this way. They picked... The bottom line here is they picked Okada at some point in 2011 and decided this is going to be the guy. And we're going to use Tanahashi to get him over. And this is going to be our guy for the next decade. And we're just going to put our, 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 the pedal to the floor. And we're going to, this guy's going to make or break us. That's the decision they made. Right. And they ran with it. And it's inarguable that it worked. I, I, you know, nobody with, you know, it's pointless to even consider debating that point. And it's like, fortunately, Naito happened to be peaking at the same time when they made a decision to pick somebody else. And it's like, here's the other thing. It's not like he'd even be historically that that happened to. You know what I mean? It's like, this isn't unprecedented. Dusty Rhodes never got the big run, Rich. I mean, it's like if Dusty Rhodes, and he lived, and it's like, he's a legend, and he's considered, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just a fucking title. You, you know what I mean? It's like. Right. And, and I think a lot of it, it too. Not to interrupt, but I think a lot of it too is a lot of American fans that, that have maybe got newer in it. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, right, you know, I, I was a pearl guy before you guys were. A lot of us, I think, grew up in the, the age of, of major American wrestling where, you know, everybody that's worth it gets a title run at some point. You, you know what I mean? Whereas in New Japan, it, especially in New Japan, there are guys, the list is littered with guys that were like very good wrestlers, top of their class, really, really good all-time that just never got the title run because it is it, it is so protected and it's so different. And I don't get, did get that title run. That's the thing that, that I think we kind of forget too is that he did have it. It just felt, that one felt so weird and felt like it wasn't the one. And then, he, you know, and that might be it. Maybe that is like they thought that they gave him that title and he had that little run with it. And his job at the end of the day was to put Okada over again and, and then just sort of, that's his role or whatnot. But, but you know, when, when I say that the, it didn't get that title, I mean like the big definitive, like yeah, this guy's yeah. our guy. This yeah. is the run with this you know guy. And like, you know there's he had, plenty he of guys a, that didn't. Playing, he got a Dusty Rhodes. He got a little Dusty Rhodes run. Dusty exactly. Rhodes won the right. NWA World Title three times, but he lost it back a week later or a month later. And it's like, that's what Naito got. He didn't get like a strong fucking run. He got a little Dusty Rhodes win. And it's like, you know, I forget who I was talking to, but there's like this perception that he never wins anything. And someone was like, oh, well, Naito never wins. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. He's won the IWGP heavyweight title. He's won multiple G1s. He's, he's, he's won every title that they have. Every, he's won both tag team titles. He's won all three singles titles. He's won the uh, G1 multiple times. He's won the Intercontinental title multiple times. 
New Japan Isn't Cup. The, got New Japan Japan, Cup win, yeah. he's, he's done everything you can do, yet there's this perception that he never wins anything. Like, what more do people want? They want that win over Okada in the Dome and, a, and, a, and another title win, right? But what I'm saying is, okay, if he ultimately doesn't get that, is it really that big a deal? Like, he has won a shit ton of stuff while the company was completely focused on another person. And he was been treated like a top guy the whole time. And it's like, I don't know, Rich, it's starting to annoy me. Like this entitlement that people see, people think this guy's like entitled to another title win. And I don't, and it's like, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it gets annoying after a while. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Like, I'm just tired of hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think a lot of it is because his 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 popularity in Japan, whether, whether you know, again, like, I, I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm not there. I don't know exactly, but I know that, like, he ranks pretty well in a lot of the polls that they do and a lot of the fan polls and stuff. But like you said, we have yet to see the, okay, you're not pushing Naito. Fuck it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to all your live shows. I'm not watching anything that you do anymore. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Now, eventually, will that turn? Maybe. I, maybe it will. But there's no evidence for it yet. So it seems kind of weird that we're just kind of predicting or sort of saying, all right, well, they didn't give it to Naito. Well, all these people are going to leave now because they haven't left yet. <laughs> and like, uh, they're, they're, again, there might be a breaking point where it happens, but it might, it just might not happen. Maybe they just say, ah, you know, I don't really like Naito anymore. Now I like uh, this guy. I like Kotobushi now. And they just become fans of Kotobushi. And there's this idea that like, if they don't push Naito, all those LIJ fans are just done, gone. And to never be seen again. And, and and again, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist or that it might not exist. They're just like you said. There's no evidence of it so far. There's just no evidence that it has happened yet. So it just seems weird to kind of assume that oh well, they're all gone or oh geez, they're they're screwed. So it's just kind of like I, I don't know. It, it it's it's weird. It, it is definitely different. But uh, they, they passionate fans, man. That's that's what it is. It's really. I mean, they they I, they make it very well known that they, that they're upset. Well, remember, I'm still the only one who thinks he's going to beat Okada. Though I mean, I, I still think that's happening. Whether it's this year or next year. Um, because again, until they burn off that match, I'm not convinced they're not doing it. I, cause then otherwise it makes zero sense. Uh, because if, if, if that wasn't an ultimate long-term plan, you could be using that. You can do that match three times next year on other shows and draw three enormous houses. Why wouldn't you do that? And this isn't a company that hasn't shown that kind of booking acumen. I mean, they, they, they beat matchups into the ground until they don't draw anymore. Look at Tanahashi Okada. They beat that into the ground until it stopped drawing. You're telling me they wouldn't do the same with Okada and Naito? Of course they would. You'd be getting at Dominion and King of Pro Wrestling. They, they'd pick a year and pair those guys up, and they'd get three big houses out of them. Why haven't they done that? Because they're planning on doing it at a dome. I mean, come on, people. Use your heads. I mean, it's just at some point you have to step back and use common sense. Okay? And again, until I see that match headlining fucking uh, whatever the fuck, destruction in Bipu, I don't want to fucking hear that they're never going back to it. I don't want to hear it. I don't buy it. So um, the whole Naito thing, look, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world where from a business perspective, you say to yourself, we've got our giant star. It worked. Okay? We've got this other guy who's enormously popular. He remains enormously popular. And, man, you know, we could use him to get other people over. We don't have to sacrifice Okada to get people over because this guy's so enormously popular that wins over him, or him are significant. And, you know, he can help move the line along. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, and we've seen wrestlers historically 
used in that manner. You mentioned in Japan, we've seen great wrestlers who were comparable stars to Naito, who either didn't get the big run or didn't get a run at all or got a gold watch run or got a short run like Naito did. The comparison I've seen is Chono, okay? Um, which is, uh, you know, a pretty close comparison in that regard. I think Chono won the title once, right? He didn't have some kind of fucking yeah, Okada let me, let me, run let me, ever. Let me see about him. I mean, he's always in the mix, though. He, he is a pretty good cop because, like, you watch anything, and, like, Chono's always, like, winning G1 during the cop. finals. And he's always there, but yet he's never, like, yeah, let me let me think. I think just one, I want to say. is only rain. Yeah, only one rain uh, for Chono. One rain, right? 1998. 1998, and then uh, never again. Yeah, and it's like, and it ended with the broken neck, I think. So who knows what would have happened? Um, I'm pretty sure it ended. Uh, yes, he yeah, he uh, his neck injury was later later in September. Yeah, yeah, the vacated. So it's like, I don't know if he would have had who, you know, I I mean, but you know, that's the other thing too. You look at the history of New Japan; they don't do long title reigns. That's why the Okada title reign was so special, and why the Tanahashi title reign was so special because. You look at the history of New Japan, guys would rarely hold the title for longer than a couple of months. Uh, you, you only have a few throughout history where those guys got long, sustained runs. And it's more of a, a Gato thing than a New Japan thing to do the long title run to really cement a guy as a major star. They did it with Tanahashi, obviously, and then they, they did it with Okada to have Okada top Tanahashi and sort of come out ahead in that, you know, rivalry to to build this enormous start that they have but um circling back it's like you know naito has accomplished as much as anyone with maybe the exception of okada and tanahashi like historically in that company you know and, and it's like let's not act like he gets nothing let's not act like he's not pushed or you know it's like and, and let's not act like he hasn't won the title and i get it they want that one that's it's he was a heel at the time. There was interference in the match, and his character was a little different then. And now he's a clear-cut baby face, and you want that big – and listen, again – Right, I'm they not, wanted Destino in the middle of the Tokyo Dome, yes. and he raises his hands up in the air as confetti falls. Like, I, I get it. I get it. I, I, I've, been, I've been clamoring for that, too. I thought for sure we are getting to WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom 12. Just I think did I. you and I were saying, bet the house, it's happening. Of course it's happening. Duh, it's happening. It never did, and it, it didn't happen. And I think we're all still sort of and, – and many of those fans are still kind of waiting for that that moment, that Destino in the middle of the Tokyo Dome, hand in the air with confetti falling, and, and I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not opposed to it, and I still think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's like some fucking crime if it doesn't, but I do think it, it, it will happen for reasons I'm not going to keep repeating, Right. but I, you know. Uh, we had a few people ask us, is, uh, is Naito a geek for saying that he was going to win both belts, and he's going to win the G1, and then he doesn't win? No, that's ridiculous. He's okay, not. Yeah, he's not a geek yet. He's not, not. He's not quite the Goto status yet. So. I mean, it, it's it's. Here's the thing, too, that people have to understand, and we can pivot this to Jay White now. Okay, you better get used to Jay White. If you don't like him, I I don't know. You know, you're gonna have a hard time over the next decade. Because the only thing preventing Jay White from being a tippy top guy in this company for the next ten years is if he signs with WWE. Because that is what they're doing with Jay White. Um, and it's like, you know, this, this, his performances at the end of the Naito match and especially the Ibushi match were just so fucking great. And it's funny. You see people say, oh, Jay, Jay White's a bad wrestler. 
And it's like, it's the automatic clue that you have no idea what you're talking about. If you think Jay White's a bad wrestler, this guy is working to his character and working to his gimmick in, in such an incredible way. Okay. And getting the right kind of heat off of it. Everybody in those buildings hate his fucking guts and it's in the right way. You had 12,000 people rooting for Kota Ibushi. Yeah, in that which match. rarely happens, which, too. I mean, go back yeah. and watch some of the G1s. I've been watching a bunch of them. Um, you know, as, as you know, uh, Chris Charlton, again, who, or uh, WH Park, I should say, uh, has been doing the series on post-wrestling where he's going through the Tokyo Domain events and whatnot. I've been going back and kind of watching them as I'm, I'm watching them. And a lot of them, really even historically, too, are like two dudes that everybody likes. Like, yeah, it's it's these two guys, and we both like them. And, yeah, we're going to root for everybody and, and just hope it's a great match. Like, you very, very, very rarely in history have one guy that the crowd 100% says, we want this guy to win and fuck that other guy. We hope he dies. And you're getting that with Jay White. And it's awesome, Joe. It's so great. I love heel heat. I love people living and dying by the baby face. This is something that we're just not used to in, in, in New Japan a whole lot. Because no, because it's like, and you, have a, you have fans that turned Okada and Naito. The fans turned those guys. They were heels at one time. Right. You know, and it's like, the fans aren't turned in this dude. They fucking want him dead. With a they, shit bag. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, 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 they are doing a better pure heel with Jay White than, than anybody else is doing with anyone else in the world right now. He's, he, he, nobody roots for him. And the dynamic in that match with Ibushi, that atmosphere was incredible. It was an old school territory atmosphere. The big match with the big heel and the 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 super the awesome baby face, right? And it was just good versus evil. And it was the kind of match where it's like, okay, you don't even care. Uh, like if you're if you're watching that match and you're paying attention to like the nuances of Abushi selling, you totally miss the plot. You are totally missing the point of that match. Okay, that match was about good versus evil, the atmosphere. And good overcoming evil at the end and giving the feel-good moment. That's what that match was. And it had drama and excitement and all of those things. That was a drama, excitement, atmosphere, story match. That wasn't a, let me break down the execution of this hold and let me study the selling. No. you you. That's the kind of match where you turn off that part of your brain and you just turn on what did I like about wrestling when I was 11? Right. For wrestling 101 is it's the, the, the baby yes. face overcoming an injury and overcoming the shit bag and his asshole manager. Correct. <laughs> it's just classic heel face. Yeah. It's just, it's, and, it's, and, it's 101. And the, and the building was on fire, which is why when people say, ah, oh, Jay White's terrible, it's like, do you have ears? Like, why do you think that building was so hot for that match? Okay. With apologies to Kota Ibushi. Who, who perfectly fit into his role as well as Jay White. Jay White did that. He beat their guy the night before, which is what I was talking about earlier, and you can use Naito to make someone else. He, he pissed everybody off and beat their guy the night before and had people filing out and then was mocking them as they were leaving. Oh, where are you guys going? How great was that promo? He was like, oh, where are you guys going as they were leaving? Mm-hmm. And then Naito's getting carried out, and he, and he goes, get that piece of shit out of here. Oh, oh, my God. What a fucking promo. Then they're like, they want to kill him even more. You know? So then you get him the next night against the Bushi after he attacks the guy with the chairs 
Okay. Why do you think that building was on fire like it was? Because of Jay White. I mean, I'm just seeing these Jay White takes, and I'm not even bothering to argue with people because it's like they're just not going to get it. It's like I can't. You can't have a conversation with someone who who didn't see what occurred over those two nights with Jay White. And all this is doing, in addition to building a mega heel, okay, and and this guy who can beat you with a flash pin out of nowhere, which they established with Okada at the Wrestle Kingdom, and they established with Naito, right? It's like there's so much tension in his matches because you want him to lose, but you know he can win it at any moment because of the way they've, they've structured the back end of his matches. So it's tense, it's dramatic, it's exciting. And look, I'm not telling you you have to like his matches. Rich. Right. There's some stuff. There's some clunky stuff that I'm not fully in love I don't with. Like, I, it, listen, I buried a lot of his G1 matches because it, yeah. sometimes it's too much, but I get the end game. And then when you get moments like this against Ibushi, or you get moments like the Wrestle Kingdom match against Okada, or you get when he beat Tanahashi, or like that's where it all pays off. Okay. In the biggest of matches, this guy fucking rules. And his character and all of the shit that you put up with in the other matches pays off when he's in a big match like this. That match, look, was that the technically, you know, was Abushi's selling fucking perfect? And was, you know, that technically, no, but I mean, God, you know, matches can be great in different ways. And if you couldn't get into that with that crowd and that excitement and that drama and that tension, I don't know, man. That's like the essence of pro wrestling right there. So, um, you know, they've, they've built this thing with Jay White. And all this is going to do ultimately is make him an even bigger baby face when they decide to do that turn. And it's not going to be anytime soon. But if this guy sticks around in this company, he's going to be a top face for the back end of that run. You know, and, and, and it's going to be because they've built up all of this um, stock with him as a heel. You know, you, you, some of your best baby faces historically. You know, we're coming off heel run. You wait till the fans are ready for it. You wait till he's going to start getting, you know, it's like he gets no cheer. He gets like 5% cheers now. He'll start getting 10%. He'll start getting 20%. The thing with him, which which is good, is that he's such a shitbag that it's going to take a while, which is good. We want that. Like, I think we want, like, there's nothing fun or cool about Jay White. He's just an absolute piece of shit and you hate him. Which is good <laughs> like, yeah. for wrestling. Is the heels are supposed to be shit bags? We've kind of gotten used to the last thirty years heels being cool guys. Heels being, I'm smarter than you. I'm cooler than you. I'm better than you. Like yeah, all that sort of stuff. That's not what a, a classic heel should just be a, a shit bag that you don't want to cheer for. And that's what Jay White is. He's a turd. Yeah. <laughs> like you hate him. I hate him. I, I I love watching him lose, but also respecting at the same. Like if I went to a show, there's no chance in hell that I'm I'm ironically cheering for Jay White. Fuck that guy. He's an asshole. Like, boo. Like I want I want Kotobushi to beat his ass. Like why would you, you not root for Bushi in that you, you did go to a show. You went to MSG. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, fuck that guy. Yeah, I booed the hell out of him. And Okada won. Yeah, and the did. fucking blew off. And it's you know we all saw a special moment. And it's like it's like New Japan. This reputation. It's, oh, it's just it's all great matches. There's no stories and this and that. Meanwhile. We all know that's bullshit. People say there's no stories. But meanwhile, while people say they have successfully built a heel better than WWE has. And when is the last time WWE built a heel like this? I can't remember. I cannot remember. You know, it's like, and that's supposedly what they do better than anyone. We tell stories. It's like, you don't even do that the best anymore. Like, they have you beaten that regard too. They created 
a fucking North American style heel better than you do. Like, let alone the match quality and all that. You know, it's like, it's crazy how much better this company does everything than the other one. That's supposed to be good at things like creating a heel like Jay White. And it, that's the other thing I'm thinking about watching this show. Why can't WWE build a heel like this? It's crazy. You know, it, it reminds me how broken that company is and how frustrating it is to cover that company. And I hope AEW is much better at it than they are. But we'll see. And it's like, so yeah, people are just so missing the plot on Jay White. And again, you don't, I'm not telling you you have to love his matches, but you have to understand what's happening here. And you, you have to recognize that the push that they're giving him is working to perfection. Like, did you not hear that crowd? You know, everything they're doing with him, step by step, is working. The only thing left for Jay White to prove is that he can draw on top. And I've got to tell you, outdrawing Abushi Okada the night before is a pretty good first step in showing that Jay White can successfully draw on top. You know, it's still a quite Listen, I'm not telling you that he's like, he's still got to prove that he can be that. But I, there's no proof that he's not a draw. When has he ever bombed on top? Never. So it's like everything they're doing is right. And once he proves he can draw, there's no more arguments against him. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up as well is I see a lot of talk uh, about Jay White. And and by the way, if you listen to this show for as many years and if you listen to Jay White as he was coming, we told you this four years ago. This guy was going to be a star. You know what I mean? Like 2015, we're telling you this guy is going to be a star. This guy, he, you could just tell from the Young Lion days, you could tell by the way that they were treating him and the pinfalls that he was getting, all this sort of stuff, that this guy was going to be the star. Like he was going to emerge in this Young Lion class as the star. So again, if you listen to the show, you were smarter than most people. But one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people bringing this thing up about and I get it. He he's not Japanese. Yes, he is from what New Zealand or whatever. I, 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 yeah, Auckland, New Zealand. I think is is his hometown. He's New Zealand, yeah. But he is as I was trying to think. Of, I, I forget the town. I actually realized I don't know many towns in New Zealand. But he is as I was like, well, no, that's the only town I know. So that's probably where he's from. Um, I get it. He is not Japanese. He is not from Japan. But like, he is as New Japan as as they come. The idea that 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 and, and I guess because I see people saying, oh, well, you know, he's just a gaijin and I, I hate that they keep pushing gaijins and all this sort of stuff. I get it if you're talking about AJ Styles. I get it if, if you're talking about a Kenny Omega. I get it if you're talking about whoever, Juice Robinson, th those sort of guys. I'm I'll be honest. I again, I know he's not Japanese. I know he's from New Zealand, but I don't know that I can truly call this guy 100 percent a four because he came up in that that system as early. I mean, he had, what, 10 matches, 20 matches under his belt before he was in that dojo doing stuff there i know by its definition he is he is a foreigner by his definition he is but he is as new japan as anybody else in that company you know they didn't just pluck this guy up from the indies and push him to the moon this guy wrestled in nothing shows in new zealand and i think a little bit in the uk and they plucked him up and they built him from scratch he is as new japan as anybody else in that roster whether he's japanese or not yeah, do you see what I'm saying? Like it, it, it gets me. I don't know. I get a little annoyed when I just see people like, ah, yeah, it's just another guy. Ah, they're just pushing another guy. And yes, by his very definition, he is, but he's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he is, he, he's, he's not here just because he was a star elsewhere and they brought him here. I mean, he, they built this guy up from the ground up 
everything that you see from Jay White is because of New Japan's tutelage and their training and their dojo and, and everything that happened there. So I, I just don't buy that he's like this guy that just I, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm kind of coming from or why I get I annoyed do, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's no, just like I, I know that he's I know he's not Japanese. I know he's technically a foreigner. I, I just when, when people use that term, they throw it around. This isn't, you know, Stan Hansen. This isn't Vader. This isn't AJ Styles. This isn't guys like that. This is a guy who, who came up in the system. He just happens to not be Japanese. But, but he has, he's done the work to get to this point. There's a reason why he's so good, and there's a reason why, they, why, why they're giving him as many of these opportunities as they, as they are. I mean, he is a guy who's been there since day one. And like you said, the only thing that would stop it is, is, is you know, if he signed with WWE. But I, to me, like, do you ever see – I don't ever see that for Jay White. I'm never going to say never with guys. But this is a dude that 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 did not come up in the American Indies. Did not come up. I don't know that he dreams of going to WWE. I don't know what he dreams of. I don't know exactly, but I can't imagine he's not happy with what he's doing right now. I mean, this is this is all he knows in pro wrestling is New Japan. So so the idea that he's just like this guy that they push because he's he's a white dude or whatever. Like I, I just I hate that because it's like no, this guy busted his ass from from 2015 in the dojo until today to get to where he's at right now. And 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 it's. It's been a culmination of a lot of years and a lot of build for it as well. It's not just one day they signed this guy and said, ah, white foreigner guy that everybody loves. Cool. We'll, we'll push him to the moon. I mean, that, that's not at all what happened with Jay White. So, I don't know. That's no, just that's, me. So, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of that is people just don't like him, so they're going to attack anything from any angle that they can. Um, that stuff, you know how I feel about that. We We haven't had that discussion in a while, but. I give no credence to any of that. This, you know, you can only push so many foreigners. And no, this is nonsense. It's pro wrestling. It's a business. You push the best people possible who can draw the best money possible. Doesn't matter who they are or where they came from. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about every promotion on earth. Uh, if 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 the if the Japanese fan base, if the New Japan fan base feels that there's too many foreigners or too many gaijins being pushed, they'll let you know with their wallet. And then you adjust accordingly. But, um, you know, it's, it's the, the fan base doesn't seem to mind. So I, I never pay attention to that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's dumb. Um, as far as Jay White goes, yeah, I mean, he's, he came through their dojo after very limited experience. He's essentially a homegrown guy. Um, you know, he's as much homegrown as, uh, like, I don't know, like Chad Gable would be in WWE who had a handful of indie matches and then, but he's, you know, essentially a fucking performance center guy. You know, he came through their system Um, because, you know, they had no significant runs elsewhere. And yeah, I do think that's unfair. And I, I don't know what's in his head. I mean, money talks. I mean, if AEW or WWE made a good offer to to him or anyone else, yeah, I'm sure they consider it. I, I don't know what his ultimate goals are. I do know that we were told, you know, a couple of years ago that he's got some personal reasons why he would prefer to stay in Japan. And, um, you know, I don't know if that has changed or anything, and I haven't really followed up to find out. But that's what the last – remember we were told that? Is that ringing a bell for right, you? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got some, you know, he's well, got and, some- and being from New Zealand, it's a lot easier to fly from fucking Japan to New Zealand than it is from, you know, Florida, Winter Park, Florida to New Zealand. So, Which is exactly why he prefers to be in Japan right now. Right. So, um, you know, so, so I don't know. I, I – listen – it's do I think he spends his entire career in New Japan? Probably not. Who does? It's like that's rare for a non Japanese, even if they come up through the dojo. You know, it's like it's you got to really love living, living in a in that culture and everything. And 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 other companies are going to come at you harder 
um, if you can obviously, if you're a native English speaker and all those things. So it, it, it's unlikely he spends his entire career in, in Japan, but I, I don't, you know, the way things are going now, why would he leave? I mean, the only way you'd leave right now is if you got a call from Cody who said, hey, look, man, we can build around you and AEW is a year in and they're really cooking and, you know, they offer him a, a gigantic deal. Yeah, then, you know, that's that's another circumstance. But the way New Japan is booking, look, he, he knows he's getting the mega push. He knows he has 10 years of main events in front of him. So if you're going to take him away, you got to come really strong. So, you know, that, that's, that's the way I look at that. He, he obviously knows he's, he's locked into being a top guy. How old is he? Like 27? I just looked it up. He's 26 years old. He's, he's annoyingly young at this point. So. He can be a main eventer for 14 years. Yeah, he's 11 years younger than Naito is right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's like he, could be, he, he can conceivably be a top guy in this promotion that's doing nothing but growing where people are making a lot of money. For, for a decade and a half. So if you're going to come at him and make him an offer, it's got to be a, a, an enormous one. All right, so there's that. So that's Jay White. That's kind of the Naito thing. Let's get into the Abushi thing as well. So we'll talk about... Uh, uh, or Do you want to recap the whole G1 finals? Do you want to talk about that final match now? I think maybe it's a good time to... We touched a little bit on that, but let, let's, let's talk about the final match, and then we'll kind of go over that entire show. Uh, the 12th, the, the the final G1 show. But uh, we'll start with the main event there. Kota Bushi defeating Jay White. Uh, we've talked a lot about Jay White at this point. What, what what about Kota Bushi finally reaching that moment of the sun? He puts pen to paper on the contract, the lifetime contract, the very bizarre. I, I, how you can get Kota Bushi to agree to a lifetime of anything, I, I don't know. But we've seen that that was kind of the barrier for him. Is, is New Japan just wanted to know that he was you know invested in them, that he was going to stick around. And when he says he's going to stick around, they went right away and push him to the moon, and now he, you know, wins a G1, uh, and presumably he's going to the main event of, uh, of Russell Kingdom, which night? We don't know. <laughs> you know, possibly both nights. Who the hell knows? But either way, uh, Kotobushi winning the G1, what would you think uh, of that moment? And then we'll kind of, I think, recap the match uh, as we kind of start the, the show review. Uh, yeah, I mean, full, but. this is a guy that was going four and five in G1s, remember? And it's like, you know, we all knew the reason. But, yeah, you know, look, he's a legitimate tippy top star in Japan. We've known that for years. And now that, like you said, the pens to paper, you can go full steam ahead with him. And, uh, you know, the reaction he got on that final night was one that I'm not sure I've heard in this company. That was, that was incredible. And, and, you know, the match itself, I think I already talked about, so I'm not going to repeat all my same points, but uh, yeah, I thought, for the reasons I stated earlier that it was a great fucking match, I could see why some people wouldn't like the match. I think they need to just view it from a different lens. You know, I because I, I don't... Look, here's, here's the thing. If the work was terrible, right, but they were getting those kind of reactions, I wouldn't feel the same about the match. But the work was really good, and they got those kind of reactions. I'm not going to sit here and go nuts because Kota Ibushi forgot to limp for a couple seconds. Uh, you know, when the rest of the match was as great as it was and the crowd was as hot as it was. That kind of makes up for those things. Um, so for me, it was a great match and a tremendous moment. And really just the booking of both guys just coming together and converging and making for that moment and just making you go, holy shit, this company is just so well put together and well booked. And, uh, you know, if there were like, 
this is why I think I root so hard for AEW to be similar. Because, man, if we had one or two other companies that were booked like this one, where you, you, you weren't afraid to be emotionally invested in some of this stuff and care about the wins and losses, fuck, it would make this hobby so much better. Yeah, it, it's a different experience, you know, watching that. And I was able to watch the, the main event unspoiled and kind of live as everybody else was watching it. And that was just an experience, too, to like kind of be in that atmosphere with everybody and, and, and feel like you were in that crowd. As I'm on Twitter, I'm talking to people. I'm talking to people on our Slack. I'm talking to people on tax. Like, it's just because everybody kind of converges. And, they, and like you said, there's not that worry that, oh, what are they going to do to fuck us over? Oh, what are they going to do to do this? Like, it wasn't, there wasn't any of that. It was just like this moment where it felt, rewarding it felt like no matter what the result was going to be it, you'd feel like you you didn't waste your time but then you also just really wanted Kota Bushi to win you know what I mean like that was that was it like I feel like if Jay White had won that there'd be sort of a deflating like but a good deflating like a good deflating because you gave a lot of your emotion into the match you got really excited for it you did buy in or whatever but Kota Bushi going through all of it you know Gato getting tossed out by Rocket Mary like just it hit every chord like every single thing that they needed to do in that match was perfect Jay White coming out with the Bullet Club Red Shoe setting the Bullet Club away Gato you know saying hey what about just me and then he fucks around Red Shoe sends him out so you're like oh here we go one-on-one match he eventually comes back there was a few a little ref shenanigans and that was the way I was kind of like oh man are we really getting into a little bit more of that oh man we're doing you know we're gonna do this thing or whatever and then Red Shoe just says fuck off Gato get the hell out of here and then tells Rocky Romero who Gato's been fucking around with the entire G1. He tells Rocky, hey, get this guy out of my ring. And Rocky goes, all right, and picks him up and tosses him out the side. And you're like, boom, there we go. It's going to be Kota versus Jay White. It's just like, that's the stuff you live for. It's just so simple. It's Brossing 101. Like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing super complex about it. It just takes a little bit of planning and just hitting the chords exactly as they need to be hit. And again, it's very difficult for a lot of wrestling companies to do that. But when companies that do do it, 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 it's so rewarding because it is, like you said, it's so simple and it's so, it's just like, ah, yes, that's, that's what we want. That's what, it just works. It strikes a chord. And like, yeah, when, when, when Rocky grabs Gato and tosses him to the side of the ring, I'm like, here we go. Now, you know, for a fact, and, and it's like, Gato didn't come back again. Like Gato didn't fuck around again. It was, that was the end of him. Now, you know, that you're just getting Kota Bushi versus Jay White. Now, Jay White, all of his, all of his plans are, are, are foiled. There's nothing left for him to do, but then face off against Kota Bushi one-on-one. And then Kota has to overcome, you know, all that shit and a hurt ankle to win the match and, and, and get the triumphant moment. It was just, yeah, just an, an incredible match. Just one that you absolutely, absolutely love. What would you go uh, star rating wise on that? As we, uh, we, we talk about some of this uh, stuff for the rest of the show. This G one final review is brought to you by grapple. And uh, I, I went four and a half on this match. Right. Right. On dot. I'm exactly the same with you. I couldn't, it wasn't that five. I couldn't say immediately a five star. Like we said, that, that when I do a five star, I have to know it right that second that it's a five. Not quite that for me, but goddamn close at four and a half. Like still just a tremendous, tremendous match. Just didn't have uh, enough to give me all the way to five, but 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 still four and a half is is, is a tremendous accomplishment. So um, I just want to really quickly though, uh, grapple. I know that a few hours after the show, that thing was at 4.92. I, I know it was like right up against it. It has gone down a little bit right now on, on Grapple. 261 votes for it, 4.62. So both of us are kind of in the in, in the rough range there uh, of what it was. But still, I mean, that's a tremendous match for an average over 200 ratings. Are uh, it's It definitely speaks to, to how great that match was. So Well, people are going to be excited in the moment. You know, you just watch a match like that, you're going to run to the app and, you know, probably overrate it a little, you know. Um, so that that's that's probably why it was trending so high. Yeah, it was trending to be like the greatest match of all time, which it wasn't. 
Um, but it was a great match and a super memorable G1 final. I mean, I'll, I'll remember this as a G1 final for, for a long time. Oh, certainly. Time. No, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it was a tremendous... And it was a different kind of G1 final. You know what I mean? It wasn't like some work, work, work rate classic or some kind of like crazy, you know, uh, stereotypical New Japan main event style uh, G1 final. Yeah, it didn't go 45 it, minutes. I mean, last year's event, I mean, last year's match went, what was it, 40, 45, somewhere in that range. You know, this one's still, what, 30, but still. I mean, that, that, that we, we had been trending towards really long G1 finals there, which were just like epics of back and forth and a thousand kickouts or whatever, and this wasn't that. It was just all, it was emotion and heel-face dynamics. Yeah, it was a different kind of match entirely. And, um, no, I think that's good. And again, it speaks to just shattering this false narrative that every New Japan match is the same. I mean, that couldn't be. You know, you watch this match, you watch Jay White main event, you watch a Tomohiro Ishii main event, you watch a uh, a Toru Yano match in the G1, you watch, uh, you know, Okada main event, you watch, watch Shingo Goto, man. Sh- Shingo that got so yeah. That match fucking rocked. Oh my God, that match was great. And all of these matches are different. You know, Lance Archer is doing something different than what everybody else is doing. And it's like, so um, there's there's that too. But yeah, um, you know, I think we've talked enough about that. It was a great match and a great moment and a great atmosphere. All right, let's let's go with the rest of this card here. We're not going to go into a ton of detail about a lot of these matches because a lot of them are just, just kind of random tags and stuff. Yeah, so uh, we, we do have to talk about the opener, though. We do have to talk about the opener. Car- Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks uh, defeat Ren Narita and Yota Suji. The match itself, very good. Very, very good. The post-match, Joe, how incredible was this post-match? Yeah. Of these and- dudes ripping at each other. They're just like, they're, they're, and, and the way that they played it up on the commentary, I don't know if you listen to the English commentary, is that like everyone's kind of annoyed. They, this is a long tour, and everyone's just annoyed at being around each other. You know what I mean? Like, like you're at a summer camp, and you're just like, fuck, the, I'm, I'm sick of all of you. You know what I mean? Like the end of a, a family vacation. You just don't yeah. want to be with these guys anymore. And it's just like at the end of the match, you got, you know, Frederick's talking shit, Connor's talking shit, you know, Narita's shoving guys. And then just like, it, it's just dojo. It's LA dojo versus New Japan dojo, and they're just brawling outside the ring. They're jumping over guys to get in a fight this was awesome if you if you skip this match or jump past the post match go back and watch it i love this post match yeah and you know it sets the table for the la guys versus the tokyo guys and um one other thing that they've done in this era is they've just presented the young lions a little bit differently And, and 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 they've been very smart about that to where now new japan fans are invested in these young lions from the moment they debut and people are watching them more closely and they're having you know they go out there and have great matches a lot of the time and then it's easier to push those guys when they go away and then come back because you know fans are invested in them already and it wasn't always like that you know historically it's sometimes you'd see young lions with some potential and, and or whatever, but it, it, it's kind of like they were just thrown out there to have basic matches, and they let these guys stretch their legs a little now. They, you know, it, it's they let them do more than you know. Starting with a couple of classes ago, really starting with Yohei and uh, Koma and uh, what the fuck? Oh, Tanaka. Tanaka. Tanaka, I can't yeah. couldn't remember what his name was. It was uh, Kamatsu. Yeah, it was Kamatsu and Tanaka, right? Yeah. Uh, Yohei Kamatsu and Shotanaka. Yeah. Really starting with that class where, um, you know, it, it kind of it changed. It changed a little bit. And, you know, you see this now. And that car, listen, Carl Fredericks, 
Carl Fredericks is going to headline a G1 finals. Oh god, yeah. Dude, that dude he, is like and and like you don't want to like overemphasize it, but he's a dude that like I think if they really wanted to, and they're not going to, and they shouldn't, and they should take their time. But if like in six months you want to build that guy up as like a megastar, I think you could. Like I, he's obviously he needs a ton more, and I don't want them to do that. But you can see yeah, the yeah. makings of it. You can see he looks like a million bucks. He's presenting himself. He's he's getting around the ring. Well, like he, that dude's a that's a guy. You, you know what I mean? That is a he's, like I will be glad. I will come on this podcast and be and 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 say I was wrong and I missed the boat on him. But I don't think we're. I'm going to be wrong, and I don't think we're going to miss the boat on him. This guy, you're right, is going to main event a, a G1 at some point. He he's a lock. This guy's a lock to be a superstar if he stays in the company. He's. A, I think he's a lock to be a wrestling star. I mean, whether he stays or not. I mean, um, you know, if I'm AEW or or if I'm William Regal, and you know, I'm watching my fucking G1 on my New Japan world. That's a guy where I'm putting out feelers. You know, he's got the height. He's got the look. He's got uh, the, the, the the in ring. I mean, he he shows fire. I mean, that guy has it all: athletic ability. There's, there's, and, and he is right up New Japan's alley. He is everything that Gato likes to push. So, I mean, you know, that guy. It's a lot. I, I, I have, I am so confident that that guy is going to be a star. It's like I, it, it, I'm, it's, it's an absolute lock. And Connors can go. The one who I think is a little behind is Yota Suji. I think he's behind the others. Uh, Narita's good. Umino's good. Yumura's good. Yota Suji's the one I worry about a little. Oh, dude, he, by the way, not, not to interrupt, but did you see Yumura on uh, this post match attack just comes out of frame yes. with a fucking flying kick. It was the great. Yeah. I was like, that. You, and it was exactly like you, you, we had had that discussion on last week's yes. show about how he is so stoic. 1996 New mm-hmm. Japan. And then he just comes out with a fucking Yakuza kick out of nowhere, like a flying kick. It just takes out like six dudes with just the stiffest kick you've ever seen. And it's like, fuck yeah, dude. This guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yumura is the one that nobody talks about. But like you will be talking about him soon. He he yes. he, you know. Suji's the one I worry about. Suji's the one who I could see becoming like a Yujiro or a fucking you know a guy that just doesn't you know. But but who knows? I mean I you know who knows? I could be wrong about that too. But um, but yeah, that that the, the opener was exceptional, and the especially when you throw in the post match. Then there was just a bunch of short, inoffensive. None of them overstayed their welcome tags, which I don't think we need to talk about any of them. Yeah, I'll go real quickly over some of the grapple wordings there. The opener, uh, three and three and a quarter, uh, which is our three. Uh, that's what I gave a uh, three point one seven is the average right now. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Liger, and Tiger Mask versus the Suzuki Gun Team, Archer, Taichi, uh, Kanemoro. Uh, really, again, not worth talking all that much about. I went two and a half grapple ratings, two point five four right now on that one, so we're right in line. There, uh, you have Show, Will Ospreay, and Yo defeating uh, Chase Owens, Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, Will Ospreay gets the pin there, which again I think is you know an important little fact there. But uh, 2.64 on grapple, I'm at two and three quarters, so not really any huge difference there. Uh, and then you have uh, Bushi Evil, or sorry, uh, Juice Robinson and Toa Hinari uh, versus Moxley and Amino, which I, you know, again, like ratings wise, I'm only about two and a quarter, but I fucking love that match, it was just great. The Moxley Umino thing is so awesome, I just love that little relationship. Uh, between those two, and you see Amino kind of taking over some of, of Moxley's, uh, you know, persona a little bit. Like, this is what you're talking about when, like, a, a, in no other era would a young lion get this sort of right. thing that, that, that Amino's getting right now. And it's good. Like, he's still a young lion. He's still going to take all the falls, but it's fun to see them sort of, like you said, kind of dabbling in little character work for, for, for guys a little bit here. But I thought that was really fun to see uh, Moxley and Amino on the, on the same side there. But, uh, yeah, that one, as I said, I'm, I'm two and three quarters. Uh, grapple 2.64. Uh, then you have Bushi, Evil, Sonata, Shingo, 
and Naito versus uh, Kodo Yano. Great bash heel, I think. I think they were in the match. I cannot confirm that Togi Makabe was actually in this match, but apparently he was. Uh, Hanma and Taguchi and that one, yeah, that one I went three stars uh, flat. Uh, two point eight is the grapple rating. There was was, it was so I'm reading Togi Makabe, but I watched this match, Joe. Togi Makabe was not in this match. No, I That's took a notes. lie. I have stats for you. <laughs> okay, what do you got for me? He was not in this match. So anything you say about him in this match is incorrect because he wasn't there. Togi Makabe was the legal competitor for his team once in the entire match. Okay, <laughs> and Togi Makabe took zero flat back zero bumps. not a one did he take out bump well he was uh he 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 coming off the ropes he was tripped from the outside and, <laughs> and like fell on his hands you know what i'm saying right right that's not a flat back bump twice and i paid attention to this because it's a nothing match and i pay attention to togi makabe and and now he does nothing twice he was thrown out of the ring and still landed on his feet. He didn't even take bumps <laughs> yes. when he got thrown out of the ring. That's a so man. Him and Bill Mockabe, Goldberg are the smartest wrestlers in the universe. They are getting paid max to do the minimum. It's, it's You, you got to appreciate it. Makabe stays a legend. My man <laughs> will not fucking bump in these dopey matches ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, this one's like fourth from the top, too. It's not like an opener or the second match from the top. It's like fourth from the top against LIJ, but he, no one's going to remember. He knows that no one's going to care. No one's going to remember anything that happens in this match, so he makes sure that he just doesn't do anything. We end up remembering Togi, it anymore. So. Does, does Togi Makabe have anything to prove in a match like this? God, guy? no. Get out of here. No way. He's 40 years old. going to roll out of the ring and eat a gigantic dessert. He doesn't give a fuck about he this. He tells the title. You know, he's in the back end of his career. Why would you take a bump? So, the legend. Togi yeah, that, that, was, that was good on him. And then, Joe, Bad Luck Folly, Tamatonga, and Tongaloa defeat Tomoro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Kenta. So now you tried your best, and I, I give you a ton of credit. You had every one of our staff members DM me on Slack. You had everybody in the world try to message me and say, Joe, uh, Rich, do not watch any spoilers don't do anything go to this exact time queue on this show unfortunately i stayed away from i, I basically put my phone away because i didn't want to i didn't want to see anything and i i just like i said i woke up in time for the, the the main event so i watched the main event and much to my surprise i hear kevin kelly say ah jay white coming down to the ring with new bullet club member kenta and i had to kind of shake my head and go what because what? it was like i was like what 4 a.m at this point i'm a little delirious i'm like eh, nah, i i didn't hear what i just heard whatever and i didn't think anything of it and I'm thinking again, like, as the match is going on, I'm like, did he say Bullet Club member Kenta? Like, what the fuck? And then I go into Slack, and then I go into my Twitter, and I see everything, and I see all the effort that you put forth. So I didn't then, I didn't know anything else then. At that point, I knew Kenta had joined the Bullet Club, which confused the hell out of me, and made me go, eh, Kenta in the Bullet Club? Like, what the f eh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of stupid. So I jumped to the time queue that you said, and Joe, I was treated to the great, I, I think, maybe, I, maybe not the greatest ever, but my favorite wrestling angle, my favorite heel turn in as long as I can remember. I mean, this was fucking incredible. This Kenta turn. And the Shibata return. This, this oh my God. It's, it's, listen, I said it in real time and I wasn't the only one. Okay. I'm not going to say, you know, like people were in real time, Rich, it was just one of those amazing experiences to have on social media when you're all watching a wrestling show one of those magical experiences where everyone is just stunned in disbelief when shibata comes sprinting from the back he didn't milk anything okay he sprints in from the back beats the shit 
is beating the shit out of Kenta, that drop kick in the corner. And the crowd, my shrieks, God. When shrieks, it, not even cheers, not yay, just no. shrieking men, women, children, <laughs> grandparents, just going, ah, like everybody. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to react. So again, I'm hardly the only one. Immediately, everybody's first thought was, was this one of the greatest angles in the history of wrestling? Was this one of the greatest turns in the history of wrestling? The answer to both is yes. Oh, fuck yes. I don't know if it's the... I Listen, I've got some for you, okay? Some great ones. Hogan joining the NWO. I mean, that's a great I, I, That's one. your all-timer. That, that, I think, is still maybe the all-timer. But, and, and yeah. We could have an argument about those two. I mean, that was a great fucking... Despite the fact that Bobby Heenan fucking, you know, gave it away. Which, by the way, Tama Tonga tweeting eight hours earlier... Hey, we got a new member of the Bullet Club, and he's a great athlete, and this and that. And then in real time, the entire timeline was like, oh, Kenta's going to join the Bullet Club. So if dumbass Tamatanga didn't give it away eight hours earlier, it would have been even better. We all were waiting for Kenta, especially Rich, and I know this is one of your things. He never tagged in, and he never laid a hand on the Bullet I hate Club. that. Oh, my God, I hate that. Any heel turn where... The, the guy who turns spends half the match beating up the other guys and then turns on him. Fuck that. that. Those are immediately disqualified. Kenta didn't do that at all, which I loved. Never tagged in, never laid a hand on his new buddies. And if you if you go back and watch it again, because I've watched it 19 times, it was like one of the greatest things. I've I'm ever watching seen. it as we speak, by the way, which is, I think, the 40th time I've watched it. But go Look ahead. at his body language when he comes down to the ring with Yoshihashi and Ishii. He looks so disinterested. You know, he's like... that, like. Kenta from start to finish in that thing was just so fucking great. Like, it, when you watch it with hindsight, you know, he's e- it's even better. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you've got Hogan. You've got, um, you know, uh, what about, like, what about Seth Rollins turning on the shield? Get I have it. Okay, no. I'm with you. I don't yeah, even think it's in the same. It's not even in the same stratosphere. And that was a great, and that was, that had people talking too. You know the difference between this and the Seth Rollins turn? I'm going to tell you. Half of the people hated the Seth Rollins turn and thought it was a bad idea. Not because they were mad at Seth Rollins, the character, because they were mad at the company for doing it too soon or picking the wrong guy. Remember that? That was a big thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So these people who were coming back with, oh, what about the Seth Rollins turn? A lot of people thought that was shit and were mad Yeah, it was stupid, and it was stupid at the time. It really was. I mean, it was not – the Shield, I don't think, was ready to to, to break up at that point. I mean, eventually it would be fine and whatever, but no, that that one was very divisive at the time. People will will kind of forget about that, but no, it was was a big deal at that time where people were like, ooh, why did they do that? What the hell? And even in the building, not a fraction of the heat. I mean, give me a break. It wasn't even in the same fucking universe. Um, how about Kevin Owens after the NXT fucking credit bug power bombing Sami Zayn into the ring apron? That one's pretty great. That one is it, it's not as good as this one, but that one is pretty awesome. I did love that one. How about Tommaso Sami Zayn? Yeah. Oh, I was there live. Yeah, I was there live for that one. That um yeah, that another great one. Another good one, but that's one that I think everybody sort of I don't want to say saw coming, but kind of knew it was coming a lot of ways. So I guess it is similar-ish to the Kenta one. That's a really good one, too. That that one does not okay. get the credit it deserves. That one's pretty good. So you were in the building for that one. Yes. Was it an energy of, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. This is fucking... Okay, so it was, energy was great. The energy was great, but it, was, it wasn't necessarily... 
it wasn't necessarily I, I should preface it wasn't necessarily oh my god i can't believe that happened it was ah oh, yeah there we go <laughs> like it was kind of everybody kind of sensed that it was going to happen and when it did happen i mean they made the beatdown great i mean the beatdown was awesome but it kind of felt like you i don't want to say everybody saw it coming but it kind of felt like oh yeah all right cool there it is yeah now, okay so does gun to your head does does, does shibata wrestle yes he does and and why and, and this, I've seen a lot about this and I was hoping that we were going to have this discussion. I don't think that angle happens, and I don't think he's as physical in that angle if it doesn't happen because I'm led to believe in in, in my I, and I don't know I could be wrong. They could have said, "Hey, do this one thing, but you can't wrestle." I don't believe this dude does a flying drop kick in the corner if he's not fully cleared. You know what right. I'm saying? Okay, couple of things. Okay, no contact to his head whatsoever. Not even a forearm, a punch. Well, I mean, except for his back of his head slapping on the mat after he does a flying dropkick. You're right. Um, n- no go to sleep. Now, there's two schools of thought on the no go to sleep. Number one, he can't take a blow to the head, so you can't risk doing a go to sleep. That's the obvious one. Number two, you're saving that spot. Absolutely. Right? Are you kidding? You're saving that. You don't but- lead off with that. Wouldn't Kenta, you know, realistically hit him with that and lay him out instead of the PK if he could? Or do you save it for a big dramatic spot in the dome where you put him up for it and everyone's like, oh, my God, if he hits that, this man might die? Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. I save it for that. Because then, like, if that happens right away, it's almost that moment where you're like, oh, God, like, he, he's already done the biggest thing that he can do to him. The biggest thing that Kenta can do to Shibata, the, the, right. the thing that he's going to do, that go to sleep is it. That's the, that's the golden goose. Like, you're not giving that up on the first night. I wouldn't. So I don't buy that that means anything. I, all that that means is that they're smart about protecting how big of an, an impactful of a move that's going to be. And I can buy into the idea, too, that, that Kenta, and we'll see what he does moving forward, but I could see him getting more protective about that move and saying, nah, I need to do it to him. I could beat him up without that. I don't even need to do that. But when I do do it to him, you'll know that he's dead. You yeah, know? I mean, so he, I, I, he won, I think they can he, do that. He won some matches with the game over. So it's not like he's using the go-to-sleep to win every single time. But yeah, it, it's, you would, you would save it. I agree with that, but it is a little, it's, there's some red flags there. No blows to the head, not inflicted by himself anyway, and no go to sleep, but I don't know. Look, I think he's, look, I don't, I don't know if you give people that angle and then don't give them a match. I, I don't know how you get away with that. Um, because now I think people, Look, this is the angle was so good, and, and and here's another reason why it's one of the best angles of all time. Because it was a money angle. If you do that match on one five, you just sold out the other dome. That match can headline the show on the second dome on the fifth and sell it out by itself. You don't need any. You're gonna have other shit. You wouldn't need it though. And so that's another reason why you know you want to talk about other angles or other turns. This is a money turn and a money angle. Big oh, time. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's and that's why, you know, some of the others that I named might not stack up. That's why I think you have to look at like the Hogan turn. Because again, that's a money angle that drew money for fucking four years. Or whatever it was. You know, and it's like this is a big time money angle. If you get the match, it's going to sell out a dome. So there's that that factor too. So I don't know. I feel like they almost, you know, it's like, do you do an angle that physical if you know for certain that he's not going to be able to pay it off by pinning that guy in the center of the ring? I find that hard to believe. 
and the, the news coming out of Japan where, you know, they're, they're, they're feeding Dave and saying, look, he hasn't been cleared. He's never going to wrestle again. What do you think they're going to say? I mean, you know, it's like, and, and I'm not even sure the people that, and I'm not saying like Dave is being worked, but what it's like the people that Dave is talking to might not even know. This might be a need to know basis kind of right, right. And 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 again, historically in New Japan, like I, I think people again conflate what New Japan does with the other wrestling companies do. I mean, we've been told point blank from wrestlers in Japan that they don't know during the G1 if they're winning a match or if they're losing a match until that day. And they don't know, hey, uh, wrestler X, you're going to get nine, you know, eight points in this G1, and you're going to win this match and that match and that match at the beginning of the tournament. And everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Because like, we've kind of joked of like, oh, shit, well, you're going to win the G1 pick them. And, and the guy would be like, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I know as much as you guys know at this point uh, about what I'm going to do for the G1. I show up, they tell me what I'm going to do, and, and I do it. And that's sort of the way they've done. So the idea that like, who, who would really know that right now? You think they're going around and telling, you know, every single person in the roster, hey, Shibata's coming back at the Dome, so yeah, just so you know, Shibata's coming back, Shibata. No, they're on a needed no basis, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I'd be shocked if it was more than four or five people that knew Shibata was, A, coming out for that angle, or that angle was even happening in, in, in any way whatsoever, so. No, that's confirmed. The only people who knew he was even there were the people that were involved in the angle. Right. Everyone else was like, we didn't even know he was there until he ran out. So that just feeds into my point even further. And especially you're talking about an angle this big. I think what, you know, you might see if he does wrestle, if he does wrestle and there are plans for him to wrestle, what they're going to do is they're going to have Kenta goading him this whole time. Uh, you know, uh, he's going to be cutting promos. Oh, you can't wrestle. Uh, yeah. We, well, that's uh, what I was going to say. The, the money is also in the, in the chase of Kenta sort of taunting him that he can't wrestle. Yes. And saying so that like to me the payoff would would suck if it's like yeah well he can't so it's like oh all right I guess he can't so and, and, that, it should, and it should be where Shibata is like look this is against my doctor's orders but I need to get my hands on this guy and I'm, and of course it won't be against doctor's orders but you you present the angle that way so it seems like he's putting his health at risk I mean that that's the way it, you know you do it because that's the way it's always been you know those are always money angles historically in pro wrestling. So, you know, the question is how, if he is cleared, I don't buy into the idea that people would know that anyway. You know who would know that? Harold May, Gato, Shibata, and Kenta. That's who would know that. Who else would need to know? Why would you risk having that leak? I don't want people, if I'm New Japan, I don't want people, if he, even if he's cleared, if I'm New Japan, I don't want people to know he's cleared. Yeah, I want everybody but those four people to think that he, doctors told him he can't wrestle. Absolutely. Right. I want everyone else to think that if the if go to sleep goes wrong, his lights are fucking out. That's what I would want everybody to, because that's where the money is in the danger and him putting his life at risk to get his hands on this man. That's like an old school fucking 1973 old school territory story. And it's great if they can pull it off. Um, you know, and, and it'll be believable if, you know, no one knows that the guy's legitimately cleared or not. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Gun to my head, I'd say I, I think that he wrestles because the angle is just too physical. Yeah, it's I, not I as if he ran out and was held back. It, like they could have done something where he ran out and they held him back while Kenta beat up the young boys. You know, they could have done right, something exactly else. right. That's what you do if this guy's not clear. Like you do not. Unless they're, I mean, I, I would really get mad at them if they got me this excited for this and then just said, oh, no, he can't. Are you kidding? No, he can't wrestle. And then he never did. 
I'd be yeah, upset. Like, <laughs> it was a- too physical, man. There was too much going on. He's he's in there. He's throwing bows. He's throwing running Yakuza kicks. Like he's corner drive. There's too much physicality for me. There's just too much. You could have had Goto save him, and then Goto take the beating. There's a million ways you could have gotten around Shibata doing physical things. So, how about the bumps that like Tamatanga and Tonga Loa were taking when Shibata was like uh, fighting them off? Did yeah, you notice oh, that? That was good. They were bouncing all over the ring and going crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. Fale just had to fall down four feet, and he he did that pretty well. So good for him. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he, He's he, on the apron, gets kicked, falls four feet, moves back twelve inches. Yeah, like, perfect. Thanks, buddy. Here, here's the other thing too that you have to talk like the way Shibata was moving around the ring. Oh, he was in he was in ring shape, man. Exactly. It's clear that he's been working. Like that's the other thing that no one's talking about. He would not have looked that great. Like we understand he's training those guys. He was you, you just nailed it. He was in ring shape. He looked like he looked in fucking 2013 moving around that ring. Look, pro wrestlers are not taking their shirts off unless they feel confident about their bodies, right? Yeah. He ripped that shirt off immediately. Yeah. I mean that dude that he's confident about how he's looking these days. That's all I'll say. But just the way he was moving around. Yeah. I mean, that that he was moving around like a guy. And here's another thing that uh Somebody brought up, I can't remember who, might have been Kevin Hare. He said, you know, this really explains Goto disappearing for a month and a half. We were all told that Goto was training in the LA dojo, right? And like getting in shape and all that. It was probably Goto training, like Mm -hmm. getting Shibata in shape. Yeah. Which is an excellent point because Goto, remember we were like, Mog, we were joking about it. Like, where's Goto? He hasn't been around in six. Goto didn't wrestle a match for like six weeks. He was gone. Totally off the radar. He was in fucking LA, maybe getting this guy ring ready. So, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that point to, to him eventually having this match with Kenta. And yeah, obviously some of it too is optimism that that is the case. Um, but that's okay. What's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with, you know, looking forward to that and hoping that it, that it occurs. And, and, you know, even his promo where he's like, this guy, I'm going to kick his head off. You know, and it was essentially what he said. So we'll see. But just a fucking, you know, you, this is the kind of angle you get one every few years. I mean, it's just so good and so hot. And um, it's like, you know, and, and again, a money angle. That that's that's what this was, and you, there haven't been a lot of big money angles in wrestling over the last few years. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about this one for forever. And then, uh, real quickly, there's one other match here that we have to talk about: uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeat Tanahashi and Okada. This is building up to Suzuki and Okada, uh, which is going on at uh, Royal Quest, which is going on on August 31st. We'll have some time to talk about that show uh, and break down that card uh, next week. There's just too much else to go on uh, this week, but yeah, the, the big angle there is Suzuki and Okada kind of feuding and 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 that's the next defense for okada is going to be of against suzuki uh at royal quest uh real quick i just wanted to put a bow on, on the g1 here and and our friends at grapple who are of course sponsoring uh these uh reviews here uh sent us some some really good data and, and obviously this data only comes if you guys get on grapple g-r-a-p-p-l uh and give your ratings like joe and i do and you can follow us on that app as well if you'd like uh Google App Store, Apple App Store, it's all in there, G-R-A-P-P-L. Uh, average match ratings, block matches only for these guys. So these are just the the top, you know, just the match, just the singles matches during the G1 for all these guys. Uh, number one, Tomohiro Ishii at 4.2 average. 
Uh, just kind of give you an idea the overall average to see how much you know how much better he is maybe than the overall average. 3.59 is the overall average that we're looking at here. So we'll look at the guys who are closest to that average and then look at um you know, Ishii at 4.2 just stands head and shoulders above everybody else. Okada is second at 4.05. Uh, he's tied with Will Ospreay at 4.05 as well. So so those three really stand out. Ishii at 4.2, Okada at five, uh, 4.05, and then Osprey at 4.05 as well. Uh, Shingo, I thought it was pretty interesting, fourth uh, among all G1 participants, 3.95. Abushi 3.88. Tanahashi, 3.83. Sabre Jr. at 3.78. Uh, Naito at 3.76. And then real quickly, Moxley, 3.68. Uh, Evil 3.68, Sonata 3.68. Uh, as we kind of go down the list here and here and there, um, I'll give you the final two though. The guy because the last two really stand out amongst all the other guys. Bad Luck Folly, uh, 2.37, and then Toru Yano at 2.66. Some other stuff here. Uh, as I said the overall averages 3.59. Uh, the A block a little bit better than the B block 3.65, uh, but the B block at uh, 3.52. So I mean, yeah, Joe, just a just a tremendous G1 when you look at the overall match ratings and you look at the performance. You know, you have four guys with an over four star average, you know, pretty much everybody but Yano or, you know, exactly everybody but Yano and Fale. Pretty similar statistics to what I had personally. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought in terms of, you know, we all know who was great in the G1. I thought in terms of guys who were slightly disappointing, I'd say I'd put Juice Robinson in that class. I didn't think he had a great tournament. I think uh, Goto had a somewhat disappointing G1. Uh, I don't think Naito, because Naito, his bar is so high. I mean, you expect him to be among the best wrestlers in the tournament, and I don't think that he was, and it looks like the uh, uh, the people on Grapple agreed. I thought he had a nice little tournament, but I didn't think he was in that top class with those top four guys. Uh, but other than that, I mean, everyone else either delivered to their expectations or over-delivered uh, to, uh, to, to what I expected out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some other stuff here. Uh, 29 matches had an average of four stars plus uh, 32% uh, of the matches have an average rating of four plus stars. So again, just tremendous output uh, from these guys. Day 13, 15, and 17 all had three four star plus matches. Uh, so if you're trying to catch up on the G1 and and maybe you run out of time or you're stopped in the middle, 13, 15, and 17 are kind of your standout days. Uh, Ishii and Osprey both had eight matches with a four plus star average. Uh, so tremendous there. And I thought this is really good data from uh, from Grapple as well. Uh, average impact on opponent's match rating here. So this is an increase, decrease versus match average against other opponents. So essentially how well like, the wrestler acts versus this guy. How much did their kind of star ratings rise do you above make, that? Do you make people better? Or exactly. Worse? You will not be stunned at who the two <laughs> negative impacted uh, guys were. Bad Luck Folly was a negative 1.59. Yano a negative 1.08. Will Ospreay. Plus 0.5, Okada plus 0.5, Shingo plus 5.3, and in first place, big old Tom Ish at plus 0.8. I mean, you get that guy in a ring against yourself, and your grapple rating is almost one more than it would be against almost anybody else. That is tremendous. He bumps you up almost a full star. It, it, it's not surprising that you know those four guys who are four of the best wrestlers on earth make their opponents uh, or the four that make their opponents better. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's those four uh, probably would have been the ones I would have picked if you would have, would have allowed me to guess. Um, but yeah, those guys had great tournaments and will Ospreay and Shingo get extra credit because they also had great best of super junior tournaments. And those guys have just been, you know, they deserve very long breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Osprey deserves a few months off and a lot of ice pads. Cause he has been, God, this, this yeah. output that he's had is, is, is insane. 
Shingo and, and Osprey should be sent home until Wrestle Kingdom. You know, it's like, you know, maybe bring them in to, you know, King of Pro Wrestling or something to shoot their angle for whatever match they're going to have. You know what I mean? But they should not be working tours. Give them the tours off. You know, it, show up for Corkin and uh, and the and the and 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 King of Pro Wrestling and like you know destruction or whatever power struggle. Don't worry. They, they, don't put him in fucking World Tag League. You know what I mean? But I'm afraid Shingo's gonna be in World Tag League. Oh, for sure. No, he's definitely gonna be in it. Hopefully Osprey isn't, but uh, yeah, they they probably both will. Honestly. Maybe not though, because they don't put the singles champs. That's right. Yeah, I guess if he's still holding. Well, no, no, no. Because if if Naito has the IC, they won't put him in it. And then there's three LIJ guys, and it'll be Sonata and Evil. I see what you're saying. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, for, you know, from that perspective, he won't, he wouldn't be in World Tag League, but I don't know. Those guys are just, you know, they, they could be your one, two in Wrestler of the Year. I'm not going to fight you uh, with what they've done just in these tournaments. You know, how great is Shingo? I mean, fuck, how great is that guy? Uh, he's so good, yeah. Dude. And everyone's finally seeing what uh, yep. the rest of the world has been saying. I mean, people that have been watching Dragon Gate and following Shingo for years or DGUSA or whatever has been saying it since, what, 2010, 2011, that this guy was just great. He was so good, and now people are seeing it now in the, in, on a world scale. And I'm, I'm glad to see it because we're, we're a show 